The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. Not just their history, but how this music continues to evolve. We're opening the vault on classic records upon re-release, delving into their inner workings and their lasting impact. Maybe you're a longtime fan and wants to go a little deeper. Maybe you're a first-time listener and you're curious to hear more. Either way, you're in the right place. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you tune in to podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Reading from a decision of Judge Walter Ward. I have no choice but to remand Michael Audrey Myers to the Smith's Grove, Warren County Sanitarium, where he shall be placed in the care of a resident psychiatrist who shall report to this court no less than twice a year. Further, Michael Audrey Myers shall be brought before the court on the day of his 21st birthday, where he shall be tried as an adult for the murder of his sister, Judith Margaret Myers. Dr. Loomis? Michael Myers must be removed from the sanitarium immediately. I would suggest the maximum security ward at Litchfield. Dr. Loomis, the decision has been made. But this is a minimum security institution. The staff isn't adequately prepared. Prepared for what? The boy is a catatonic. He exhibits comatose behavior. No reaction to external stimuli. Have you read my notes? Yes, we have, doctor. Why were they not presented at the hearing? The judge requested Dr. Foster's analysis. I've spent four hours a day. Four hours a day with this boy. Every day. For six months. Far longer than any court psychiatrist. Dr. Loomis. Michael Myers is the most dangerous patient I have ever observed. Doctor, there is no diagnostic evidence to support that statement. He's... He's covering up. This catatonia is a, is a conscious act. There's an instinctive force within him. He's waiting. For what? I don't know. From the padded cells of Smith's Grove Sanitarium to the leafy streets of Haddonfield, Illinois, we are Halloweenies. Happy Halloween, and of course, Happy New Year, all of you listeners. This is Halloweenies, a Michael Myers podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Justin Gerber. We have reached the end of the line, and for many of us, the end of our wits when it comes to the Halloween series. This is a, a little bonus episode for all of you Halloweenies out there before we leave Haddonfield and head for uh, the the leafy streets of uh, Springwood, Ohio. they yeah, got leaves there. Sure. sure. I'm sure they've got leaves in Ohio. I haven't been in a while. Anyway, we'll be covering <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, very soon actually, not too long after you'll, you'll hear this episode if you listen to it um, as it's dropped. And this episode, the bonus is we're going to be going through our personal rankings 
of the Halloween franchise. That's right. From 1978's Halloween to 2018's Halloween. Yeah. Same title. Third time it's titled that. Third time. Third. Well, I'll, we'll try to be specific with the years. Yes. I, I did I did mark years on our little chart here, so uh, we'll try to get that uh, even out for you. Again, my name is Justin. Um, I didn't come up with a nickname. Eh, it doesn't matter. Ah, Justin Gerber. <laughs> I'm tired. And <laughs> to my right is... Uh, Mackenzie Myers Gerber. Okay. Uh, oh wow! Hold on a second. <laughs> this is controversial. And um, uh, I'm a constant contributor to this podcast as well as the Losers Club, and uh, I will also be on the first episode of Nightmare. So get ready for that. Um, really excited to do the rankings today and chat about um, what we love and what we hate of the Halloween series for the last time in the for the rest of Forever. our life. ever. <laughs> uh, across <laughs> from you. Across from you. This is Michael in quotes, the real Myers <laughs> Rothman, as in like the real Ghostbusters. Is this all? Because you didn't say in quotes. So, uh... I didn't say in quotes, though. So, you know, in but uh, editor in chief and president of Consequence of Sound and uh, also a constant contributor of the Losers Club, as Mac mentioned, uh, in which we recently just discussed the very important Children of the Corn Urban Harvest. Uh, it gave us Charlie's Theron. The essential. <laughs> Charlie's Theron, Nicholas Brendan, um, the, the Russian model, I can't remember her name. Uh, Lots of all-stars in that yeah. film, and be sure to check it out. But right now, I'm excited to kind of rank these movies because it's a nice cap-off to what was a very um, tumultuous, a tumultuous year of, of <laughs> wins and losses for it us. It was like the Blue Valentine of podcast series. Yeah, it started it off, really we were all in love with the movies, and everybody loved the podcast, and <laughs> by the time we got to the end... Everybody started to hate us, and it was pretty funny. It's uh, and Blue I'm, Valentine's not funny, but no. this, our situation was pretty humorous. By the end, we all looked like uh, Ryan Gosling at the end of that movie. Bloated punchy. and punchy. And, Walking yeah. away the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very fun. See Blue Valentine yeah. if you haven't already. Well, speaking of Mike's Valentine, all the way from the, the haunted streets of Austin, Texas. <laughs> hey, this is Dan Nee McBride Caffrey. Because oh. I'll, be I'll be stumping hard for Halloween today, I think, which... In my opinion, has improved since uh, since I watched it many well, many when times. When you force yourself uh, to watch it over and over again, like Clockwork Orange, you're going to start to find some good things. The about magic the number, movie. I think, what Dan is five or six times. You finally maybe appreciate it a little bit more. It's, uh, three times in th- yeah six yeah three times in oh theaters my and then Christ. three times since buying it. So yeah. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I watched it just recently for the second time again, and. Um, Nothing's changed. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about all that when yeah. we get to. So here's how we're going. We're going to be a little, it's gonna be a little different. If you listen to the Losers Club and if you're able to remember our Curse of the Werewolf. Wait, is that right? No. No. Cycle of the Cycle Werewolf. Cycle of the Werewolf. Curse of the Werewolf is an awful Hammer movie. Um, Cycle of the oh, Werewolf I like episode. Curse of the Werewolf. Oh, pretty boring. Have you seen? Well, you it also like Halloween, Green, Oliver so. Reed. Maybe have to, I should see Curse of the Werewolf six hey, times. I, I, agree, look yeah, I like Oliver Reed in that, but the movie's. Uh, oh God! So I love boring. Oliver Reed. Real quick, uh, tied to Halloween, there is a uh, there's an old comic called Halls of Horror that does a comic adaptation of Curse of the Werewolf, and in the same issue, does an adaptation from one of the stories from um, what's that anthology movie with with Donald Pleasance and and uh, Vincent Price? You know what I'm talking about the one where he's like the vamp- Don Pleasance is a vampire in it. No idea. All right, well, Monster Party or something. Anyway. Sure. That Donald Pleasant's crossover with uh, Curse of the Werewolf in this comic adaptation. We'll find oh. out what it's called later. Yeah. Well, it's probably it's a lot shorter club. than Curse of the Werewolf, or at least probably seems shorter than Curse of the Werewolf. Yeah, um, it's like 20 pages. Anyway, well, as you, again, though, speaking of, if you've been listening to us, you know that we like to go off on tangents and go off topic for <laughs> minutes at a time, sometimes even hours. But um, what we're going to do is, instead of just going through our average rankings from 11 to number one, we're going to go through our least favorite to favorite 
in order. So, for instance, Dan's going to give his least favorite, then I'll give my least favorite, um, then uh, Mac, then Mike. And then once we've all mentioned the movie at least once, then we're going to discuss it. Mm -hmm. So that's how we're going to go ahead and do this. So it'll be a little suspenseful for all of you listeners out there. Oh, yeah. So without further ado, let's kick this off. Dan, what is your least favorite Halloween movie? My least favorite Halloween movie. Let's add some drama here. What's your least favorite Halloween movie? Drumroll, please. No, we should do every single one. It is... Uh, here, I'll say this: a drum roll, but not a regular drum roll. Maybe like hip hop drums, um. because of who stars in this movie. Buster Rhymes. My least favorite is Halloween Resurrection. All right, I like the teaser because it could have been H two O when you said hip hop drums. Because of like a shark That's true, but uh, the fans know how much I love H two O. Yeah, whoa, 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 spoiler, spoiler. Well, yeah, spoiler, yeah, spoiler. So spoiler. All right. All right. What about you, Justin? Dan, keep that beat going, <laughs> because I would also have to say that my least favorite of the Halloween films is Halloween Resurrection. It's bad. Okay. Mac, what is your least favorite? Uh, I have to disagree with you fucking fuckheads. Oh, yes. My least favorite is actually Halloween. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2007. Interesting. Okay, Mike, here's the boombox. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. There we go. Okay, so we've all listed our least favorites. Still can't talk about anything yet. Interesting. All right. Dan, what is your, I guess, your penultimate least favorite Halloween film? Hey, listen, Justin, can you just leave me alone a second? Because I need to pass this beast in feast. Oh. <laughs> no. Wait, no. That's not, what the fuck's that last? Beast, 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 beast in peace. I, just, I can't even do the. Did the you say pass line, right? the beast and feast? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Gross. I, yeah. I, 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 I can't even do that right. So, based on the line that you had, it was Ken Furry sitting there shitting out a burrito or a taco dinner it, and then yeah. eating yeah. another one. <laughs> Which I While could also on the see, John. I could also see sick. happening in that movie. That oh, would be. Easily. Uh, uh, Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween, 2007. 2007. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, I'm going to keep it in the zombie universe. But Dan, I can't I can't say Halloween just yet, but I'm going to go jump ahead to the year 2009 for the second Halloween 2 entry of the franchise, <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. <laughs> Mac. Guys, uh, I don't know where we left it, but someone give me that boombox. Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about it. Halloween. Ugh. Resurrection. Resurrection. Yes, finally we can talk about one of these movies. So, <laughs> uh, granted, Mac, this is not your your least favorite, but I'm assuming you also hate this film. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't dig it. This yeah. is my second to last uh, favorite Halloween film. <laughs> sure, and uh, it's because honestly, for me, um, and I guess I guess we're talking about this one only, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. I, had, I I enjoyed watching this again after what ten plus years of not have, having not seen it, uh, because even though it it feels like it's it's outside of the Halloween universe, so for me it's actually easier to watch and like take in um, because it's such a weird one off like almost uh, comedy. Uh, it's almost like a. a a, a Mel Brooks movie or something, you know, like yeah. <laughs> using Halloween. It's like it's so ridiculous and just not even trying to be a part of it. Well, minus the opening, yeah. Um, that I'm able to actually enjoy this. So I like that. That's why this isn't my dead last movie. But um, but yeah, yeah. I would say the same if there had not been an opening. Yeah, I think I, that honestly, this film would benefit 
from them have, having just ignored the entire Laurie Strode thing at that. Right, just, right. Let's let it be its own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even set it before Halloween H2O. Like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be just a, fo- a direct follow-up. They could have actually had it set during that time when he was randomly missing. Like, that, that like throw of, some random year up there. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, set this in, like, 1988 or, like, 1992 or something like that. And I probably would have appreciated it just a little bit more. But it's that opening that makes it so ridiculous yeah. to the point where you have to just really stretch the mind and go, I can't believe this is still connected to John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah. And furthermore, I, I can't believe this is connected to Halloween H2O. Uh, just based on like the theatrical score when Lori falls, the dialogue, she's a totally different person. And it was only like four years after ha- of Halloween H2O. It's still one of the more baffling sequences in, in horror sequel history. And it's also one of the more insulting ones as I went network uh, in the episode for Halloween Resurrection in, in, in the past year. But I, to me, it's, it's my least favorite horror movie sequel of all time. I know that. And it's reflected on our Consequence of Sound horror sequels list. It's, yeah. it's the last one on there. Yeah. Hundreds of them. Well, yeah. Dan, I think also, what do you think? Well, I think for me, the re- it's funny because if I look at the entries on the rest of this list, of my list, all of them have switched around at certain points. Like there's even been points where I thought like, Halloween two, the the original Halloween two is better than Halloween one. Like everything's kind of in flux, and that shows me there's there there there's some kind of strength in every single one of these movies that's not Halloween Resurrection. Halloween Resurrection for me, my opinion has not changed on it, no matter how many times I watch it. <laughs> it's also boring. I think it's the only yeah. one of these movies that I would just call flat out boring. Like even the yeah. zombie ones have interesting sequences for me, um, and that has just not changed. And I've Hey, look, man, if there's anyone who wants to like a Halloween movie more watch after watch as we've seen Halloween. Green, it's me. And Resurrection, is nothing, it just has never happened with me. No. So, yeah, it's yeah. an easy dead blast for me. It's a, you just keep thinking about the fact that, you know, they opened up the movie killing off Laurie Strode. And then the, and then I guess this is I can't remember. I get my my versions mixed up. But I guess it just cuts right to Haddonfield. Yeah, right? it goes back to Haddonfield. And now we're going to spend time with the most uninteresting cast of characters. It just it's, it's just a, it's an awful reminder it, as to what you're losing here. Yeah, I just I think it's so funny because after Laurie's dead, I just like the idea that Michael's got nothing to do. He yeah. just goes back to his house and he's just kind of like wandering around his house doing nothing. And like if those kids never came, like, do you think that he'd ever gone out again and killed? Like, it's, it's almost do you like think he would just been like sitting around moping around. It, it's almost like the the Grand Torino of uh, the Halloween movies. He's like, you know, sitting in his house just being like, God, he's goddamn kids. It's like the unofficial. Yeah, it's like the unofficial sequel to Halloween. Well, un- just, uncredited. He, Clint Eastwood was playing the shape in this movie. I would love it if, if Clint Eastwood was playing the shape. What if they get Clint Eastwood for the next one? Well, you know they could but, do? They could set the next one in the year 2038 and that would sync up to how old Clint Eastwood actually is yeah and it would make sense for him to be that old and be Michael Myers I would love that actually would love to see the shape as Clint Eastwood it'd be like a perfect world he's like trying to get back to he's being chased except that he is now (laughs) the Kevin Costner character he's trying he's trying to go across country or trying to get back to Haddonfield he's trying to get back to Haddonfield (laughs) and then Kevin Costner it would be a a swap Kevin Costner would be a cop trying to chase Michael but except you know he never wears the mask and he talks the whole time to like a little boy and he wears like that he he thinks is Tommy (laughs) well I was gonna say that in in Perfect World it works because the little kid's dress is Casper the ghost you can just have little Bob Dresses the ghost or something. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I was gonna say too, man. Wasn't Clint Eastwood one of his first movies? Wasn't it Creature from the Black Lagoon? Like, was what is, it? Was no, it was the sequel. I think. I think it was the, the creature. Second. Revenge of the Creature. Yeah, I think yeah. he's. That's like his. So his first credit is a horror movie. So, so, he, well, so he goes Clint Eastwood, Michael Myers, not far off. 
as his final film too. That'd be great. He needs to return to the genre. Well, I'm I I don't think I can talk about Halloween Resurrection anymore. It's just awful, awful. It's awful, awful. Um. Okay, so now we're we're back to Mike. Mm-hmm. Mike, what is your second least favorite Halloween film? Well, hey, I'm in the next stall with you guys, uh, passing this beast because I put Halloween 2007. Rob Zombie with starring the great Ken Forey. Starring the great Ken Forey that I uh, I loved somehow more in the Dawn of the Dead remake for his like five two second as a preacher, whatever preacher. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, we still can't talk about it yet. No, because somebody's left it off. Mm-hmm. Dan, what's number nine on your Halloween list? Number nine on my list is Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Sometimes just called yeah. Halloween 5. Maybe not. Including in the credits. Including the credits, <laughs> including the trailers. And Okay. I think at long last, as Dan originally said in this podcast, it's time to pass this beast and feast. And feast. Because we are going to talk about Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween. Now, here's the thing. The reason this is higher up on my list is because it's good. It's higher up on my list because, once again, I can kind of appreciate what they were trying to do in the beginning of the film mm-hmm. by you're not remaking Halloween at all. The problem I have ultimately is I don't give a shit about Michael Myers as a kid growing up. That, that ruins the illusion for me. It's like this, it's this entity, this walking ghost, essentially. The shape. Mm-hmm. He's no longer the shape. Now he's just Michael Myers who kills animals and beats up his bullies. I mean, I, who cares? I don't care about uh, he's that. Not, he's not Michael Myers. He's Mikey. Oh, oh he's good to you, Mikey. Mikey. Yeah, he's good to you, Mikey. And, oh. you know, we, we joked about the episode, but minute Neil. minute one or two is like with William, um, William Forsyth just, you know, with that awful wig, slurping down cereal, whatever the hell he's doing in that, and just Flat crude, top. like not even clever crude, but just laziness. It's just It's just an awful movie. And by the time they get around to remaking the first Halloween in 45 minutes, it's just it's so rushed and just I hate it. Everything looks bad in the movie, too. It looks awful. Hey, look, I 100 percent agree with you. Having said that, uh, there are still some moments in this film that get me in ways that a lot of the lower ones that we've already that, you know, that we've talked Halloween Resurrection, namely um, that, that they don't like. I, so I that's think that, why this is your tenth. <laughs> this is my my tenth one. Well, yeah. you like it less than I do. <laughs> hey, look, when it comes to the Halloween moments uh, or it comes to the Halloween franchise, you got to take uh, the little tricks and treats you can. For this one, I, I really do love um, some of the moments with Myers, particularly in the Wallace house and when he's stalking Laurie during the day uh, during that forty-five re- minute remake. Those like thirty-second um, shots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So those little thirty seconds, I enjoy. <laughs> um, I also think that. Uh, you know, it was nice seeing Danielle Harris back in the franchise again mm-hmm. with arguably the best character of these two movies, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of maybe her father, Sheriff Brackett, but played by the uh, wonderful Brad, Brad Chucky Dorf. And, you know, that's that's. Yeah. One I think it's I also say- a good example of having a cast. If you look at the cast list of the original Halloween and the cast list of this movie, you would think that this would have the superior performances, but mm-hmm. just proves that. If you don't have the good script, if you don't have good direction, it doesn't matter who's in the movie. Yeah. I was going to say, too, like, yeah, the, the acting actually, even, even when Forsyth, I mean, I think he's doing this best as he can do with that shitty, shitty dialogue. Shitty, like, literally shitty. And also, um, I, yeah, to Mike's point about the sequences, there are a few that stick out as being really creepy. The one that I'd forgotten about until I rewatched it was um, when the girls are walking home. Mm-hmm. And you see Michael kind of there's this they like pass behind a tree yes. and then Michael is walking after them right after that. That was really cool. And then yeah. he disappears 
And then you see him across the street. I guess it's the remake of the hedge scene. But you almost like see the back of his legs. There, there actually is some pretty cool camera work going on. I, I really do think it comes down to the script. And like you guys said, this sort of the, the uninteresting kid stuff followed by a, a watered-down remake of, of the, the first movie. But yeah, once Zombie starts kind of doing his thing a little bit, I I don't hate it. I mean, there, it does have some interest for me like that last half hour or so. Yeah, this, well, is, this um, is my dead last. I'm going to miss talking about Rob Zombie's Halloween for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, Next up, Mac, what is your... Oh, I don't get to talk about that being my dead last? Oh, you didn't Mac talk about did, that already? Mac didn't no. hate it. Yeah, Mac hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Mac, what, why do you hate it? Oh, I, I have so much scratch off on my list because we had to rearrange before we started. <laughs> why do you, Go why ahead, do you like it more than Resurrect? You dislike it more than Resurrection, which is crazy to me. What? Little, Mikey, little Mikey in the mask. <laughs> uh, it's not scary. The, I'm with Justin on this. This just... And, and th- this is the thing. Again, this is just a complete difference of like opinion because Rob Zombie has has said multiple times, even in during Halloween two, he's like, you know, Michael Myers is no longer the, the boogeyman in the shadows. Like that, that's not what he wanted to do with that character. So from the get go, what he wanted to do is completely change the idea of Michael Myers, which is ludicrous in my opinion. So I just I never enjoyed these movies. Uh, especially, especially this one, it was just such a letdown because what I wanted to see was Michael Myers, and what we got was a completely different movie about a serial killer with a tagged on remake of about last thirty yep. minutes. And it just, it's just not enjoyable to me. I don't like the beginning. I can say, looking back on it from a different viewpoint, I can say congratulations for trying to make something different. But then you kowtowed and did the remake anyways, what because of studio pressure, like. I don't know. It just it kills me. I, I just don't. I don't enjoy the movie, and it's just it's just very um, uh, a la- laborious watch. Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> okay, Mac. Speaking of Rob Zombie, <laughs> well, who is number nine? What, what is number nine on your list? Halloween two. Rob Zombie's Halloween two, two thousand nine. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Great movie. I just ended up trashing him. I, um, I actually like this better than Resurrection. Mike, little Mikey Myers over there. What's your number nine? Uh, Halloween two, two thousand nine. Ooh, yeah. Dan, take it home. Number eight, which is my lucky number, my favorite number. I have Halloween two, Rob oh. Zombie, two thousand nine, which let's, means we can talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, this now, is the episode I refused to be on the Halloweenies episode. We recovered Halloween two. Because I was so burned out of this franchise at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was on the Halloween episode, which I also, the movie's awful. And we were going to originally do, I think, Halloween 1 and 2 as one episode. I was like, okay, I could probably, my brain can probably manage that. I psychologically, spiritually <laughs> could not sit through Halloween 2 again and then have to talk about it for two hours. I couldn't do it. So that's why I wasn't on the. I just could not yeah. do it. There's full disclosure for you. Well, it was Actually, it was something like two two and a half hours, and you weren't on it either, Caffrey. You, I don't think you I, made I, it for either uh, the zombie. Oh, yeah, films. it was end of, end of semester. I wasn't uh, I wasn't on either of the zombie ones, and Bless I will your say, heart. yeah. Well, the, I, I think I was the one who advocated for having two different episodes because I do think they're such different movies, and yeah. we're getting into kind of territory of me sort of liking all these movies now. Like, how, like I think we're out of like, oh, they're complete pieces of shit. Halloween 2, Rob Zombie, man, rewatching it, it's a mess. It doesn't make much sense as a film. It doesn't even quite feel like a Halloween movie at certain times. But the same reason I like Devil's Rejects and and Lords of Salem, it does feel distinctly like a zombie movie. And I think that first half hour is legitimately terrifying, the hospital sequence. I kind of wish the whole movie took place in the hospital. I agree 100%. quite sure of how the logic works because she wakes up and it's a dream. But Michael Myers did actually escape, I guess, from the 
the uh, morgue oh, yeah. truck, right? Yeah, who would have had to have. So I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, anyway, the reason why I do like this movie, I think what they do with Bracket, Annie, and yes. Laurie actually works really well. I do think this movie explores how someone would actually be traumatized by a, a horror movie serial killer in a way that not even the other uh, really good movies in this franchise do. I mean, yeah, you get your silly Halloween party with like Captain Clegg or whatever. You get like you get Redneck Myers. You get the uh, you get that guy who's in batman and steals the falafel <laughs> getting killed by him on the farm like all that's kind of stupid but yeah like the strip club is kind of ridiculous but when when you get to the core of this movie once again the core for me is bracket uh laurie and annie and seeing how all three of them have dealt with trauma in different ways i think it actually kind of works and and visually i do think zombies firing on all cylinders here i like the way this movie looks it it's very distinct it has this kind of like glow this like weird green backwards glow about it the whole time so I recognize it's false, but for me, it's still an interesting watch. Uh, but what about the rest of you guys? Some of you had it. I I agree, Dan. I, I think that the you know the the dynamic between Laurie Brackett and Annie is definitely the cornerstone of this film. And I I also think that you know Zombie has an interesting visual palette in here. The problem for me is that he doesn't lean hard enough on those narratives and those sort of touchstones, and it becomes this sort of like. Oh my gosh, it's like scrapbook of just constant screaming yeah. from yeah. Uh, Scott Taylor Compton, who honestly isn't that great of an actress. And mm. also the the opening seems like a, a, a like it's been pa- it, it's too long of a surreal dream sequence for it to work for me. I think that I, and I don't even really want necessarily like an actual movie that was all in the the hospital either because i just feel like i like the idea that it's a total departure from the the actual sequel and he kind of teases with he almost does an inversion of halloween one by having like the original stuff that that you know that comes afterwards after giving you this the sort of thing that you wanted from that remake that's a good point um but the one thing i do really love out of that that whole hospital sequence is again it's like the way it's shot is so brutal and it's so merciless and Myers is legitimately frightening in those hallways because he's so giant and the, the to play with this sort of surrealism especially when you see Scott Taylor Compton start to lose it and she's all of a sudden falling in like the pit of bodies and these like long hallways that almost become very like Silent Hill-esque I really love that so like I almost wonder if Zombie would have gone in like all Argento and just had an entire film that was in that sort of dream world that kept going from like one that pivoted from one place to another. And we totally acknowledge that she's in some sort of dream world, but it would just been so much more interesting. And it would have kept honest to the original film because at the end of the original and she literally blows his fucking brains out. So I don't really understand how he's still alive, even with the logic (laughs) of the fact that Myers is this zombie thing, which the movie also goes to great lengths to show that he's really not either. So the logic of this movie is just out of control, but I think there is enough, again, like I was saying with the Halloween 2007, you just have to appreciate the little tricks and treats in this franchise, and I think there are enough in here for me to kind of put it above his remake, and it's certainly above uh, Halloween Resurrection. Now, I, I agree with you, and that's why it's above that, those two for me as yeah. well, is that this is where you get him actually, and double, and going, going all out with the horse and everything, double downing and doing something that he wanted to do with it. I might not agree with it, but at mm-hmm. least I can respect like the, the attempt. Yeah. And I think that had, had he done kind of like what you were saying, just like a complete surreal, like she's just kind of falling into madness and mm-hmm. things just keep getting more and more wacky and crazy. And, 
kind of Lords of Salem-esque almost, yeah. you know? I think that would have been cool to see her kind of going through this descent of the madness and like maybe Michael's not even there, but yeah. she just keeps thinking he's still around. Um, unfortunately, he didn't do any of that. No. Uh, this is still my uh, my ninth uh, favorite film. Uh, yeah, I, I again, I love Bracket, the Bracket family angle. I love Daniel Harris and, and this and Brad Dorff. Um, and those were reasons enough uh, to enjoy this more than the first two, the other two films we've talked about. This Halloween is goes for me. This goes back to the the remake issue I have. There's been a million different Dracula movies of varying of various quality. You think about something like even Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, yeah. which is uh, doesn't hold up 100. percent I don't know if anybody's seen it recently. No, no. it's not. But very even good. The, I still love that movie. Yeah, but the even Ball Machine. Even the. Um, some of the flashback stuff to before he became Dracula, it kind of works for me, you know. Even though the original novel Dracula, it's just he's Dracula. We're, he's it's the Jonathan Harker mm-hmm. diaries, the end. You know what I mean? And there's been iterations of Dracula, like Fright Nights. Basically, he's he's Dracula. You know, but we don't have some like long backstory as to why he's he's Dracula. I don't care about what's going on inside Michael Myers' brain to make no. him do these things. And you, we, we can talk... It's sty- look, it looks stylistic when you've got Sherry Moon Zombie, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. <laughs> I can't even talk about her anymore. She's so bad in this. Even this, she's got two lines in the whole fucking movie. Her and the horse, it looks great. Great idea. I don't care about that storyline in a Halloween movie. I don't care if it's a Halloween movie that's taking place in the year 2098, where it's on a space station. I don't care if it's Halloween 1838, where Michael Myers is stalking an old West Town. I don't care. I don't want to know what makes Michael Myers do what he does. Space station, okay. Haddonfield. And now people are probably saying, what about Crystal Michael Myers? No, we'll get to that later on. Um, yeah. What else can I say? I mean, Daniel Harris is obviously the best young actor in these movies. Easily. Brad Dourif is so good, yeah. Sheriff Brackett. And they're just absolutely wasted here. Like, mm-hmm. if anything, I wish that somebody else would have just directed this movie and just done, like, a spinoff with Brackett and Annie going somewhere and having to deal with that. Like, a okay. drama or something, for fuck's sake. Um, it's it's just really bad. And, it's, and it, to me, it is boring. I'm actually quite bored by it. I remember I first saw it. I actually, I skipped out on seeing it in theaters because I had no interest in it. And I remember we, I bought the box set a couple of years ago and I was just pouring through the whole thing. Yeah. And... I think I'd probably watch the director's cut, which was a mistake. But it's it's aiming for something that I don't think it ever quite hits. And, you know, Rob Zombie, as much as I really like Devil's Rejects, and especially Lords of Salem, which were after these movies, by the way, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about because he actually did, I thought Lords of Salem was quite good. By the way, Lords of Salem, it's been on Shudder for a while, and every once in a while it'll just be playing right when you turn on Shudder. And I'll kind of just watch a couple minutes of it and think, no, this is still pretty good. Yeah. And it still looks good and it still feels good. And you're paying homage to a time without feeling like you're just resting on your laurels. Anyway, that's my well, shout out. That's my compliments for Rob Zombie. But the difference with that film is that it's patient. It's yeah, patient, yeah, it and is. it's it's in, and it's like a slow burn horror film. It's not like this like in your face fucking fuckity fuck fuck shit, you know? Rest in peace, Rob Zombie Halloween films. All right, number eight for me is Halloween 5, a.k.a. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. 
Uh, Mac, what's your number eight? My number eight is Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Mm. I think it's time to talk about Mike. We're talking Halloween 5 with that stupid pirate kid and Tina and... Charlie. 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 The great Troy Evans. Now, here's a question I want to ask the panel. Is that the best part of the whole entire movie? Charlie? Charlie? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> every time, oh, once again, I turn on Shudder, or once again, that's been playing. It's on Shutter And all so the time. every time I turn on Shudder, it's always on that part. Yes. So I always take out my camera and record it and send it to everybody. Oh, that's great. Charlie. Dan, Dan, you disagree? What's your favorite part of the movie? I, I still think that the sequence of uh, Michael stalking Rachel is, is great. I don't like that she dies like she does, but the sequence itself is still No, I agree. I agree. Oh, I was just being hyperbolic for fun's yeah. sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're trying to have some fun here. I, I, the Rachel scene is pretty fun. Yeah, you were going to say uh the your scariest and favorite part was when michael myers is standing next to a surfboard mind you um <laughs> makes no sense in Haddonfield, <laughs> illinois um and he starts Wait, where's kicking, there, and he's where's crying there there's one in the attic that's like right oh, next boy. to it yeah yeah, yeah. so ridiculous yeah. ridiculous but yeah i so, thought you were gonna say when he was crying which by the way is another th- reason why i hate this movie oh, yeah. this is pretty much like the beginning of them peeling away the mythos of michael absolutely myers. Right. dan you have this um, slightly lower than everyone else. Why did why do you like this movie less than Halloween Two? Well, I should start off by saying that I think the things I do like in this movie are in a way similar to Halloween Two. Um, I don't think visually it feels like a Halloween movie much at all, but there is this weird distinctness of vision. Even all that Frankenstein stuff and the Keystone Cops. I mean, it's all bullshit. It's so stupid, <laughs> but it does feel very distinct to that director. And I guess it's lower than Halloween Two for me, me because. Although Rob Zombie stuff in Halloween Two feel once again does not feel in the universe of Halloween, I am I'm at least drawn to it visually. I think uh, Mike said, made the Argento comparison earlier. The different stuff in Halloween Five, am I am I, like the Frankenstein thing is different? Am I drawn to it? Not really. The Keystone Cops thing is different. Am I drawn to it? Not really. Um, so I guess like even though it feels idiosyncratic, it it just feels kind of goofy and stupid. Even though there are a couple sequences I do like, like the laundry shoot. And the um, the uh, Michael stalking Rachel, uh, even the even the scene in the forest after the barnyard, I think, or the the barn uh, kitten scene is is pretty chilling, I think. But there's just like there's so much oh. goofiness. Yeah, in this I, have to, movie. I have to interrupt. I think that barn sequence is 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 pretty bad. Oh, really? I, I, I th- okay. th- yeah. First of all, the sex scene goes on way too long. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That whole thing. And I, I, <laughs> I think at that point, what were we talking about earlier? Oh, to kind of. Uh, promote our uh, feature episode in the Tommyknockers on the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. There's some great moments at the end of the Tommyknockers, but I'm so not invested at that point mm-hmm. where it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't feel anything. It doesn't anymore. make up for it. I and think like at this said, point, I, Halloween five, I just, I'm just so uninvested. I'm just, I'm out. It doesn't, nothing is scary anymore. I think too, for Halloween, for zombies, Halloween too. Uh, back to Max's question about why I have that higher. Halloween zombies Halloween 2 even for its faults I would never call it goofy like it's not silly the stuff in this movie that's bad feels just straight up like good like clownish to me I mean literally there's like clown music playing wildly these two cops (laughs) who get their who get killed later yeah although we got a little callback to that in the in one Halloween I think but um anyway what about the rest of you guys yeah uh, yeah, Um, I don't have a lot to add for all the same reasons you guys have been talking about it's just 
it's it's pretty garbage. And like Dustin said, every single time I I come back to this, I always come back to this movie. Like maybe it's gonna be good, you know. Even and, talking about I'm like, and it's hmm. never it's never good. Yeah. I think the reason why. We feel that way is that I think it's because it's such a time capsule. Bloody Disgusting just ran a really interesting um, piece in just like collecting all the movies from 1989. And it's interesting to see the shift from 1988 to 1989 because literally 1989 saw like pretty much the worst sequels in their respective franchises. You had Jason Takes Manhattan. Then you had or Nightmare on Elm Street 5. I actually like Nightmare 5, yeah, but a lot of people really don't like that movie. And I mean, especially with Halloween 5, which was a year after Halloween 4, which is a triumphant return. So like, <laughs> it's interesting to kind of go back to that and see the, the 80s horror boom really kind of slowing down and just kind of crashing slowly into like what would become the 90s more cynical horror mm-hmm. um and for me i think that might be one of the reasons why i'm always drawn to it also it does kind of feel like the last of its kind at mm. least for this franchise because halloween six takes on such a brutal sort of cold uh environment that doesn't have that sort of mtv it feels style. dimension like a dimension movie which yeah. it was i think yeah yeah and i think that's maybe why but like good god like the introduction of like man in black and is just so confounding and the the, the stupid shit that they put in this movie that essentially destroyed the franchise. Like, well, and not to go too far ahead, but to go back to, to how you led off this conversation, Mike, with that song. Who sings yeah. that song? Oh, Tina. And I think Tina is the worst. I'm thinking about Friday 13th. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about Halloween. I'm thinking about Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Wow. Is this the worst? Like of the basic, uh, not, she's obviously not a final girl, but she's almost a main character in this mm-hmm. movie. Is she one of the worst ones, if she's, not the worst one? She's pretty bad. I mean, you, you, and again, with this movie, too, you got to go to the... This is probably where they had the least uh, direction in terms of where they wanted this thing to go. They had, no, had, they had no turnaround time. It, yeah. it, was, it, was like, it was like you had no one really involved that was really in love with the franchise. You just had people trying to take it in new directions, which is never money. a good thing. You know, you have to have continuity there. And even though there is some continuity in this movie, it's somehow it still derails into just complete, like, bizarroness. And... I just I, I've got to blame the director for that. Um, it's well, just all over the map, and and the invention of the Man in Black, and all these things. And, and also, I guess like, you got to blame the producers for not stepping in. And this is the one case where I want the producers to step in and be yeah. like, "No, we put some handcuffs on these people and bring back, you know, yeah. bring back some some reality to to the director and and, um, and censor some things here." Because well, Jesus, like, think about even the setup. Like, you know, Justin, you before you mentioned like the fact that Halloween Resurrection kills off Laurie Strode and then you're left with the most annoying people. It's the same situation here, but even worse, because not only do you have, well, maybe not worse, but it's it's more twisted because first off, you take away Rachel Carruthers, who is easily the most likable character in Halloween 4. Mm-hmm. So you take her away, but then you also shift over to a protagonist like Tina that is absolutely like hollow and weightless and doesn't have any sort of redeeming qualities. And then you also have to lean upon Jamie, who we were already scared of at the end of Halloween 4 because she goes off and is, is in, by all means kills her mother at the end of, of course, Halloween we find 4. out she doesn't. And she does she it really in the end in, in Halloween well. 5. But we're supposed to actually rally around her again after this really like harrowing moment at the end of Halloween 4 that was the cliffhanger. So it's just the whole and, thing is and you've taken up. away her voice and you take away her voice. So it's like the whole thing is just this ridiculous setup that never is never going to be able to resolve itself. And then, by the way, you have Dr. Loomis, who is so beyond insane at this point that you don't even want to follow him anymore. You actually kind of agree with Tina at one point when you're just like, all right, just get the Leave fuck her away. Alone. Yeah, just get out of here. Like, and I'll slightly disagree with Mac when you said that you don't want I can't remember what the words you use, but. 
in terms of a new direction, I do think if you keep making sequels, you do have to kind of go off in a new direction so you're not just remaking the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But I think I know what you were saying. But yeah. What they they was, took a big swing here. Well, no. I, I just, what I was saying is like they were literally making stuff up yes. on the spot. Yeah. They like, didn't, they didn't like have the an Doctor idea. Death if they thing? had a clear idea of where they wanted the Man in Black to go from the, from the beginning, then I would have, it would have worked better in mm-hmm. the movie. And then I think we would have gotten a, a sixth movie that would have like followed that, that idea. But they just, they had no clue. They were just like, oh, this might, this is kind of cool. Let's throw it in there. Dan, you can't do that with these films. It's like uh, with The Man in Black, would you compare it to something like a lost situation where they're just making it up on the fly and you're, you're taking a big risk there? Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's why I fell off Lost. Like, uh, I couldn't get through the last season of Lost because it just became all these questions with no answers. I mean, Man in Black, I, I at least admire, I mean, as we'll talk about a little bit, uh, Daniel Farrens and whoever else in Six, like, like, they worked with what they had, you know what I mean? But five, you don't really get that kind of satisfaction. And yeah. I, I know what it is too, is that even though they didn't say that going into it, like, I don't think the screenwriters at the time were like, Oh, we don't know what this is. I feel like the audience can pick up on that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think totally anyone not. saw that. I don't think anyone saw that movie back in the day and, and was going, Oh, I, I, I think they'll figure this out. I trust them. You know, I think it, I think it felt just as flippant and half-assed to the audience as it probably did to the, the filmmakers themselves. Yeah, I would agree. So, Let's move on to the next one. So we're going to go to our seventh Halloween movie on our list. Dan, what is number seven for you? My seventh favorite, and I know this makes me, I I think, a little bit of an outlier, would be Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. And once again, we're kind of getting into territory where I'm I'm digging. Yeah, we'll get get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, Yeah, Halloween Um, 4 for me. For me, number seven is Halloween 2018. Mac, number seven. My number seven is Halloween 2018 Mike I'm in the same boat as you too although I will say Dan I was on the fence with this as well so I'm um, just giving you some credit there wait wait what do you mean I was on the fence with this and uh, Halloween 4 okay. so yeah Dan Dan what's number All right, 6 we're, get, we're getting to number 6 and uh, I'll, I'll keep the streak going with Halloween 2018 which means we can now talk about it let's do it yeah. talk about talk about them alright am I wrong uh, I mean, yes, I, you're I, dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think when on the episode I gave this like three uh, orange, bright red jack o' lantern. I can't remember. I think how you did. Say yeah, yeah. You know that's that's gone up for three and a half with me. I I was excited to get this movie on Blu-ray, and the more I watched it, um, the more I kind of became a fan. And I I think a lot of that just has to do with our expectations going into it. You know, I think we, we had hyped, we had such expectations. We had talked about this movie so much before we all saw it the first time. And when I saw, the more I saw it in theaters and on, on Blu-ray, um, like I said, six times since now, I think I've just met the movie on its own terms a little bit more and just meeting it on kind of a standard, Oh, you know, decent Halloween sequel. Well, um, when you lower the bar and meet it on its own terms, but I I don't know. Well, all right. Maybe a better way to say it is I, I think because I accepted its weaknesses, I was able to admire its strengths a little bit more. Um, the, okay. the third, the third time I saw it in theaters, um, I was, uh, <laughs> I saw it, saw it by myself. It was sort of toward the end of its theatrical run. Um, it was really late at night. There's barely anyone in the theater. And I remember I like, uh, I left my keys and I had to go back and get them. And then I was in the parking lot alone. And I did get that kind of fear, like being in the, in the parking garage alone of, looking over my shoulder and wondering if Michael Myers is there, which the movie didn't, didn't do to me the, fir- the first time around. Like, I, I feel like I felt more of his kind of spectral presence. Um, but Dan, I don't, is, 
and I'm sorry to cut in again. I'm sorry. I'm such an asshole. But don't you think if you saw Halloween Resurrection in the theater and you left, you would still have the same fear and thoughts about Michael Myers because you are just terrified of Michael Myers. No, but but, I, but Resurrection though is like the one mo- the one movie in this franchise where he's not scary to me. And um, there yeah, there were even little funny. things I just admired a lot more this time around. Like I, I know we keep bringing up Argento, and I actually really like the. Hey, sorry, give me one second. <laughs> More scared of the dog uh, than I am uh, of Michael Myers. Yeah, I uh, think Myers is lurking in the backyard. I, I, I agree with you, Dan, in the sense that I think Myers is actually kind of frightening in this. I mean, there are some definite moments of Hollow Green that where he is a legit threat. Um, my, my my issue with it is that the you know when you when you have someone that that is pretty frightening and you surround him with like a tonally inconsistent you know context. That that's an issue. Like I, I mean, I just rewatched it last weekend, about a week ago today, and there are the, the 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 flagrant issues I had with this film were even more outstanding to me to the point where it was. It, it, and I actually kind of fell into your realm with like the zombie things, right? I just started getting bored yeah. because like I don't because because this movie is so totally all over the place, and there are so many characters, and there's so many like themes, like is this Laurie's movie, but is this also the Strode film? But wait a second, the Strodes aren't connected to the Myers anymore. So why do the matter as much? And you know, what about, and then you have this whole Sartain thing, but then you have also the podcasters and you have all these themes that seem commingled together. And they're trying to say so much with one movie, as opposed to just sticking to one thing. It's, it's distracting. Like it's, 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 it's so distracting that I just become apathetic to it all. If that makes any sense. That's what I was talking about with, with, um, which, which were we talking about earlier? I can't remember which entry we're talking about where, Oh, Halloween five, the barn sequence, for instance, like once again, I'm I'm so, I don't care about anybody by the time the real terror kicks in. Yeah. So I'm not as affected as I would be by for instance, watching a Halloween, Mm -hmm. Halloween, the original Halloween. I'm much more affected by it. Here's a question for you guys, and I'm not saying I agree with this article, but I, I read it this week and it did make me think about it a little bit more. So there's this consistent thing, I think, in the movie where they they sort of make a lot of the characters humorous, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I know that's like kind of polarizing, like whether the comedy works or whether it doesn't. But there's this consistent, um, I guess, tactic on the filmmakers part where they show two characters or one character being funny and to the point where maybe it's kind of cutesy and annoying. Like even when that, that kid gets killed, the first victim where that kid gets killed uh, uh, after going on the bus, they had this whole thing of like, oh, he his, he um, likes dancing more than football and his yeah. dad was more of that. It's kind of funny, but whatever. This article argued that because they, that, like, that the movie's making this specific choice to show humor and get you to like these characters a little bit to make them endearing and then they kill them like like they're sort of using the humor for you to invest in them in a, in a kind of humanistic kind of but way they do that I, with I, original too, i though. think yeah i agree but i, I think know. in this case it undercuts yeah There's nothing more egregious than when that kid says holy shit yeah when uh, i still like that i, I think that's but that it may be the worst part of the movie for me as yeah. even worse than the sartain stuff honestly because you've got you you were you've got this really great moment which obviously was spoiled in all the trailers, but mm-hmm. they don't think about that when they're making a movie, you know? No. And of just, there's something behind the door and just having him standing there and lifting up that knife and swinging it down and then having that kid, it would be like if that kid showed up in any of the other Halloween movies and just said, holy shit. Yeah. If, if Annie was getting stabbed in the car when Michael pops up in the back seat and you hear some kids say, holy shit, the whole audience starts to laugh. And here's and the difference that, that, I, that I see. It's it, Linda's death in, in Halloween one. Yeah. It's, it's, Played for last in the beginning, almost to a, to to the very start, yeah. because she's filing her nails. She's just and there's like 
hey, where's my beer? And you're like, ha, that's not her. Yeah. But it becomes that sort of tugging sort of humor. Where you're like, you're, it's almost like Ichabod Crane where you start trying to, you start trying to convince yourself that it is funny, but you realize that no, the terror is actually far more palpable than, than, and gripping than the actual comedic value there. And they never resolve those two differences in this film for me. Yeah. Like and with that, and know, with that Linda scene, you know, I mean, Lori's laughing at the other at the line, mm-hmm. but we're not laughing with her. No. And there's a big difference there. Yeah. And I think that, and that kid, it, it, it just didn't make any sense to no. me. And I, I think it was total misstep that speaks volumes for the rest of the movie. But I will say this, even from the beginning, I mean, I don't hate this movie. I just don't. I think it's so middle of the road. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot to like about it, but I think there's a lot to not like about it. My thing is, I was just baffled by the the, the passionate, positive response so many people yes. were giving it. I was really like... Like by by diehard Halloween fans, I was just surprised by how much people really ended up loving this movie. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and and I don't have a lot to add. You guys, I mean, if you guys want to hear our opinions on it, listen to this episode because we talk ad nauseum <laughs> about what Joke. we didn't like about it, and I could just go through all that again. But yeah, for me, it is very, it is just very middle of the road. It's it's almost right there in the middle of my rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, I there are some some minor things that I do like about the movie, but it's stuff that I wish could have been the rest of the movie. And the things that I didn't like are, are just all the inconsistencies and the the idea that we we now we're gonna we're gonna remake Halloween and we can do whatever we want with it and we're just gonna not do very much with it and that was just kind of frustrating to me. It, it goes back to that ending. Even if this was supposed to be a sequel to Halloween one, and this is supposed to be you know Laurie coming and conquering her fears, it fails in that matter because mm-hmm. this ending is so rushed. It becomes too action-y for me at the end. It's so self-aware that it becomes distracting. You know, like the little homages of like Laurie walking out of the shadows. The, Happy the, Halloween, Michael. Yeah. Oh, that's my, that's my, that's my, oh, Dan God. knows that. So I hate that part. Oh, God. That Sartain stuff, like even the deleted scenes <laughs> where he's picking his nose. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, did they geez. ever have any fucking grip of what they were doing with this movie because of this character? Like, it's it's, it's unreal to me. I mean. I hope that, I hope with those deleted scenes between the Bondi cops and and Sartain picking his nose and saying it's like he's clawing his brain. I hope that was just them like fucking around on set and they left the cameras going. This is so stupid. And also, even though I'm liking this movie a lot more now, there's specific stuff that you guys have all criticized that I can't get out of my head when I watch it. Like Justin, I don't even think I noticed it the first time, Justin, but the part where he's like, um, <laughs> I am moving. I'm staying right here. Whatever oh. that weird line is. That, fa- it's, like, point, it's like a faux joke. It's like a foul oh, joke. Like, like, what is for, that? Wait, wait, who says this? When Sartain is sitting there like, you, you stay there. He's like, oh, I'm yeah. sitting here. I'm not even moved. And, like, yeah. and they cut away. Like, <laughs> what is this? It's just like weird, yeah. Like David Gordon <laughs> Green is, 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 God, he was responsible for so much of Eastbound and Down and Vice Principles, which mm-hmm. are these off-color, offbeat comedies. Yeah. And there's like, there's no, there's no, there's like no beat there, but there's mm-hmm. no offbeat there. It's no, so man, weird. I'm, I'm saying, I will say though, man, I mean, the thing I always come back to in Halloween movies, and I even talked about this, I think in the trailers leading up to this is atmosphere. And I do, I just do love the atmosphere I of agree. this movie. And like that, sure, that feels sure. right to me. So I think that, I think that's why I'll, I'll, I'll always come back to it. I think um, it looks great. Yeah. I think it looks great. I think they got the yeah. atmosphere down for sure. I agree with you there, Dan. Mask is great. Mask is great. Mask is awesome, yes. But okay. again, it, you know, you can do all these things. You could have all these actors in it. But it, if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah. And it just didn't work for me. Even yeah. even well, some of the choices that they had. Mac and I were really hard on this. But like when the first, like that one take thing that we all were hyping and it has the Halloween theme playing at the same time, like even that just kind of seemed like a fumbled that that first that scene in the trailer like you said there's no music there's no music or in the in the teaser scene we got yes and i think that's far more terrifying than just ding, ding, ding. let's let's throw in the halloween score here i mean i it's, 
just yeah. the filmmaking decision. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was down to the producers or David Gordon Green, but it kind of just takes you right out of it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's Halloween 2018. So for me, my number six on this list is, a, is probably the movie. No, we'll, we'll talk about it later. It's Halloween H2O 20 years later. Mac, what's your number six? My number six is also Halloween H2O. All right. Michael. Michael Myers Rothman. Uh, my six, uh, I already mentioned it before, but Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. All right. Well, we can't talk about So we're still moving on. We can't talk about any of these movies yet. All right. Number five. My number Damn. five is Halloween. The This will be Halloween. Well, I, I, once again, titles are debatable. Halloween 6 or Halloween 666, uh, <laughs> The Curse of Michael Myers. Or The Origin of Michael Myers. Oh, really? Um, That's one of the same? That was a, the original teaser trailer is Halloween 666, The Origin of Michael Myers. Mm. I love the 666. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's so scary. Yeah. Um, mine, Dan, coincidence, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers is my number five. I can't. Anyway, uh, Mac, your number five. My, my number five is Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. All right. All right. Michael Myers Rothman. Uh, my five is uh, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Wow. We still cannot talk about any of these movies yet. This is exciting. <laughs> we have we have six more movies to talk about, but there's only four more places. So this is cool. All right. And it's, it's all because of my thing, my rankings that are fucking this up. You, you and Mac. Yeah. Um, Dan. All right. We're what on the number, number four. four. Uh, we're, we may be talking about our fourth ranking, but I'm talking about the third Halloween movie. That would be Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Dan? Um, two great minds think alike. Halloween 3, <laughs> Season of the Witch is also number four on my list. Mackenzie? Uh, my number four, uh, uh, three minds uh, think uh, greatly. greatly. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my number four is Halloween 3, Season, Season of the, the Witch. Witch. Okay, make sure. Mike? I think oh. it's time to talk about it. My fourth is, and this is almost going to be my three, I was debating on this, is Halloween 6, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Isn't it incredible that this is this high on all of our lists? I hated yeah. this movie when it first came out, by the way, I and too, I love yeah. it now. I, I first saw it, and I had a lot of nostalgia tied to it because it was the first Halloween movie I saw in theaters. Me too. But then the years that followed upon repeats, yeah, it just did not hold up. And then something started happening along over time where I just really started to appreciate not only the, some of the scares in this movie, but the mm-hmm. idea of how hard it was to pull this movie off. Yes. It's much harder than it is to reboot it. Yep. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, da- you're Daniel Ferens. You're given this fucking puzzle box. Mm-hmm. Here, there's a man in black over here. <laughs> Jamie's been kidnapped by the man in black. Um, it's been six years. Uh, there's an issue with Daniel Harris. You can't really come back. There's about 5,000 different plot lines that are going on here. What's this thorn symbol mean yes. in addition to the man in black? Sorry, you can't just go off and make it, oh, Halloween 2 through 5 didn't exist. No. Oh, by the way, all the Haddonfield make... cops have been killed. Oh, yeah. All the Haddonfield cops are dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Now you've got to make the, I guess in this universe, it would have been the fourth sequel to, the, to Halloween if you don't mm-hmm. count Halloween 3. Go. And I think the fact that he was able to pull it off somewhat, I don't think it's a great movie by any means. It's a real achievement to me. As the older I get, looking back on all these movies, it's it's something of an achievement. And I also think that we have to credit the the look and feel of Joe Chappelle because yeah. this movie is cold. It's chilling. 
it's visceral in a way that none of the other sequels, including even over Rob Zombies, because this does feel like it takes place in reality. Th- th- this is one of the more frightening sequels, like one of the more frightening entries in the entire franchise for me. Like I think the use of darkness, the the use of location, the inversion of the original Halloween, where you have the two houses that are back to back next to each other, is cleverly played out. I, I think that I actually the, the more I watch this film the higher it always gets because I just think that it's such an underdog. And also, Paul Rudd. <laughs> well, Mac, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, love Paul Rudd. Uh, this is probably the best reintroduction of Michael Myers. Like, yeah. I love his first sequence where you first see him again and the music, you know, there. And uh, I think that I agree with Justin. I think the fact that they were able to cobble together something out of the mess that is mm-hmm. five and, and try to keep the continuity there and continue, I really appreciate that effort. Um, I also think that this, like, like Halle Green and some of these other movies that were lack, well, no, Halle Green has this, some of the other movies before that, that we mentioned do not, which is, it feels like Halloween. I like watching this around Halloween because I feel immersed in that, in that time and that season. Uh, and I think the rest of these going forward feel like Halloween to me. Um, yeah, the season at least, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really like this movie. I just it's a it's a it's 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 a mess towards the end, but I have no problem rewatching this movie. You know, like I'm always looking forward to sure. watching it and I always have a good time watching it. Mm-hmm. As much as it gets muddy at the end, I'm still like, you know, I still am and have like a good feeling about like the franchise and and I'm excited about what the next movie is, even though I have no clue what it would be after this, you know what I mean? Yeah. I completely agree with all of you. It's still scary. I mean, I think that's the thing that even with Hallow Green, which I know is defending, toward the end when it gets a little silly, it kind of stops being scary. Like my, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. more of an action movie. Like you're saying, this even with all the the weird rune stones and the hospital and everything else, it, it still had like it still feels dark. It feels shadowy. Michael Myers is still a threat. And like you, you know, at the end of the day, like Michael Myers is scary. If you can retain that through an entire Halloween movie, I think like you're in good shape. Yeah, know? like when he appears, even in those scenes, whether it's the producer's cut or the actual theatrical cut, you're like legit terrified of him. He's a real he's presence without being a giant. Yes, and like some of the sequences involving him, especially in the Myers house where it's such close quarters, is is just so claustrophobic and so terrifying in that respect. Like. When Kara's walking through the Myers house and he just opens up the door and he's storming down the hallway, like my heart drops every time that happens. And especially when he's just laying there and he's dead and then Danny's on like one side and, and she's on the other. Like, I, I just thought the whole setup is great. And like, even if we're talking about lo- loving like the whole Rachel Carruthers sequence where she's he's she's being stalked by Myers and Halloween five, like the stuff with Deborah Strode here in oh, wow. the beginning is just is, is I think it's one of the scariest scenes in the entire franchise. I think especially that scene alone where you don't really see Michael until she tears away that sheet. Yes. He's very much out of focus. I think they, that Joe Chappelle does a great job of keeping him out of focus a lot. Yeah. The, and, and I think the use of I feel like in film school one on one I talk about the use of shadows and lightning. Yes. But it's true. I mean, there's a lot of little fun horror nods where I think Mrs. Blankenship is talking about Michael. And it's a lightning flash outside. Mm-hmm. And just for a second, and it's out of focus, you see, you know it's the shape because yes. you see his mask. And there's just a lot of little ticks like that. I think there's some great sequences where the music just totally drops out. Mm-hmm. When Jamie has taken um, the, the baby to the, the empty train station and, and all the power goes away. Oh, great. Scene. And the music's gone. Mm-hmm. And then once again, that lightning flashes, you just see that reflection of Michael on the stairwell. Yep. There's just little moments like that that that, st- that stick out for me and mean more to me than either ending, whether you look at the producer's cut ending, exactly. which ends 
too abruptly. It's just such an anticlimactic ending. And you got the whole runes thing, which is a whole other story. Ridiculous. Um, I, I, there's definitely a cut there. I think you could still make another cut mm-hmm. of both of these movies. Yes. Maybe include a little bit more of that stalking in the basement. That chase. Which is really good in Curse and the yeah. theatrical version, as opposed to just kind of being stopped by stones and having Paul Rudd say, the runes stopped him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The runes stopped him, Dr. Yeah. Loomis. Oh, God. Um, but, which, yeah. yeah. Oh God. Again, once again, for me, it's not a great movie by any means, but it's definitely entertaining and it's the most. It's the one that's risen the most of of, of my years of watching Halloween. What we also pointed out on the episode is the fact that like this really does open up the world of Halloween, like lore and mythology, in ways that feel incredibly modern to today. Especially in like Reddit culture, where we try to like take bits and pieces of every different thing in any sort of pop culture entity. Like this movie is just a mine of things to take away and kind of go down the rabbit hole. And Daniel Farren's love for this franchise is all over this story because you have, I mean, not only just the return of Tommy Doyle, but even like the little details of like Mrs. Blankenship and, you know, the, the neighbor across the street that kind of ties even back to like the novel that exactly. like the whole Sam Hain, like there's just so much lore that's in there that I have to appreciate that. And like, that's for me, I almost credit Halloween six for my obsessive fandom for loving this franchise so much because it made Haddonfield feel like even more of a realistic setting to me. Like I, I just felt as if there was a history there that the previous entries, even like Halloween four, which is embedded in history doesn't really have for me. Like I just, I just, and I love that. Yeah, no, to, but to, to, to wrap that up, I, I agree. And I think that not only is Michael coming home, but it felt like we were coming home to Haddonfield. Yes. yes. It felt like we were in Haddonfield again. And these people are, some of these people are still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the whole Tommy thing and just, it, it just, it really did feel like a homecoming to yeah. the series. And that's why I really appreciate the film. Any yeah. final words, Dan, on Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers? Um, let's, uh, let's not just say that he came home. It's the night we came home. <laughs> Dan, exactly. beautiful. Nice. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Number, wow, our top threes. Here we go. Dan, yeah. what is number three? On your list, three for me. I, I know I ranked it highest uh, by a long shot. I think is Halloween two. Sorry, Halloween H two O. That title is so stupid. I get tripped up. Yeah, I know. Halloween H two O. Colon twenty years later. I like to call it Halloween uh, Water. Twenty years later. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's like a blood is thicker than water. Thing, but anyway, um, title and stupid mask aside, uh, I think Halloween. I mean, I've always really stumped hard for each show, and I think Halloween Halloween has made me appreciate it more because. If we're talking about examining how a survivor has coped with something and, uh, uh, you know, surviving abuse, like taking revenge and all that, I think H2O does a way better job of that than Halle Green actually does. I actually think Laurie is more complex in this movie than she is Agreed. in what we just saw. 100%. And, I, and, I ju- and like you're saying, too, about the, edit, the possible edit you could do of, of Halle Green, I admire how lean this movie is. Um, it does suffer a little bit from that turning into an action movie at the end, I think, but it's lean. Michael Myers is scary. I love that opening sequence. Um, I love Laurie's a character. I, the her and uh, uh, Adam Arkin feel like true, interesting grown up characters for mm-hmm. me in a way that um, like hardly anyone else in the franchise does. So, yeah, I love it. I, what about you guys though? Because I know it's. I mean, it's not too far behind on your list, but uh, let's see. Uh, Mike's got a couple entries behind him. I, I think for me, yeah. this is the uh, this is actually number six for me, and of all the movies, this is actually held up the least. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't like it. I actually think it's still pretty good for basically everything that you're saying, Dan. It is very lean. Something you haven't pointed out, I, I think I like to hear Mike talk about because he really loves to 
the Alan Arkin or the Adam Arkin Adam and Arkin. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Al- that would be amazing which, if it was Alan If it was Arkin. Alan Arkin. It's like it's made <laughs> it's a simple relationship. Yeah. Like, which hey, what's the big in, deal with Michael Myers? When they make out and everything, it's oh, just like God. older Alan Arkin. Uh, like, I, I, used date, I used to date your son. Um, <laughs> but what, what doesn't hold up, and again, this is nostalgia sweeping over me, is just seeing this in theaters and, and, and once again, it's a Halloween movie and Jamie Lee Curtis is back for the first of two times. <laughs> and it was far more forgiving of it being a, a reboot back then because... This is the first reboot, first of all, mm-hmm. and there was only there was like nowhere left to go after Halloween. Chris here's and Michael a, here's Myers. a question: Is this the first reboot for like a horror franchise like this? Well, I think there's a lot of movies before that that were just unfaithful. Yeah, <laughs> but this yeah. to have a actual character come back and acting like the other films didn't exist. When well, it's, you know I what? Think it's the first, yeah, the first film yeah. to ignore the other films, like flat ignore them, right? I, I was going to say. Return of the Living Dead Part 2, but they're playing, but James Karen and Tom Matthews play different characters, right, so it doesn't count. Right. Um, I, the first that I can think of, especially a major yeah, movie, yeah. yeah, I would say so. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's, I, I, it's the complete inversion of what I didn't like about Hallow Green. I love the principal characters here. I love the Laurie storyline, and I actually really dig the themes that they're actually tying to Laurie's character. I just don't like the aesthetics. I don't like the mask. And, and there's so many the masks. That's awful. the other thing. There's so many masks. Yes, in this. there's a million masks in this. Michael is probably the one of the weakest Michaels, if not the worst Michael of the franchise here, because he like runs at one point. He seems youthful in ways that Laurie doesn't. That stuff, to Justin's point, this has aged the worst. The whole scream aesthetic just ages awful in this movie. Okay, and yeah. had they had like the the sort of aesthetics of like David Gordon Green tied to like this storyline and mm. everything with like the mask, the score yada 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 this would be like maybe my second favorite of the whole franchise yeah this for me this is my number six and it's 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 the median line Mm -hmm. like i enjoy it i like i liked rewatching it but i yeah it really is that the dead the dead last of of the halloween movies i I really like Um, yeah i agree with that it's right there in the middle and i wish you know, she chops off his head, and I wish we didn't have any of the other movies that I listed underneath this. Because from 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 six upward, I, these are all movies that I actually genu- genuinely enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Michael is scary here. I love that ending when she walks out with the axe. You know, um, yeah. the Adam Arkin storyline. What a great character! I mm-hmm. wish that he had he had continued with her in an, another film. Had they continued with this and didn't kill Michael, I would have been okay with that. But <laughs> unfortunately, they didn't do that. Uh, yeah. To bounce off what you were saying about the ending, I remember watching it and just feeling, we've talked about this on the podcast, but mm-hmm. I won't go too much into it, but I was so satisfied. Yeah. And I was so at peace with that. That's it. We're never going to have another Halloween movie. Like I really f- naively as a teenager felt that. But of course, I think we all this movie that, makes, it, yeah, but of course, you know, this movie makes so much money that the old Akkads and company are going to want to pump this thing for as much as you possibly can. Hence that absolutely awful retconning in the in resurrection. I I, th- I honestly I thought about this too since then, and especially with the way things are reconfigured now in Hollywood, I think that they just didn't understand the amount of freedom you have with a franchise given the IP and where you could go. Like for example, like if they dismissed all the sequels, which honestly in, in hindsight I really wish they didn't because Halloween 6 ends where you could have just had him go to Marion Chambers and just con- continued that. Exactly. Route. You didn't need to do that. But the fact that they did gave them 20 years. 20 years of material to go back on and he was just out there. 
So why didn't they just create sequels in like the 80s or the 90s or something like that? Like, why did they feel the need that they had to follow Halloween H2O? Like, in that respect, I feel like the franchise could have really resolved itself because then we know Myers isn't going to die, but we're okay with that because we're going to allow all this other stuff to happen on the side. Like, yeah. that that would have been perfect, but they, I just don't think producers were thinking that way. They, no. think they just had to think that they were going propelling forward, you know? Yeah, and I wish they hadn't because, like, I think that had nostalgia started to kick in, mm-hmm. and th- we started to see th- more things like Stranger Things and all these other things yeah. harkening back to the eighties. I think that we would have got, we would have gotten that. Yeah, and I think it doesn't matter if the only thing that you're worried about is Michael Myers, whether he lives or dies, because yeah. you know he always lives. Exactly. So you don't. That I, I would watch those movies. I wouldn't care. I'd be like, oh well, well, it doesn't matter because I, we know Michael's going to live. So who cares? No, because like we always know the villains in these movies always generally <laughs> live to see another day. But we would have all these new characters that we we wouldn't yes. know what happened to them. So mm-hmm. we we would be invested in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. No. Um, Dan, any any final thoughts on Halloween H two O? Halloween H two O, more like Halloween H two. Oh man, I can't think of a. I was trying to think of a little pun that would uh, express how much I love this movie because well, I really do love it. Yeah. It makes me makes me wonder what's this life for. Yeah. Oh, What's yeah. this life for? It's about dating a movie. Yeah. I mean, that soundtrack yeah. is incredible. Yikes. I mean, um, and I still, I don't know. I, I've, I, I'm always gonna have nostalgia for this movie too because it's, it is the first one I saw on the big screen. It's the first new Halloween movie of my lifetime um, since I started liking the franchise. So yeah, it's always, uh, you, you always remember your first. You know, <laughs> oh, I always say about lovers <laughs> and Halloween yeah, series. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but yeah, Justin. So uh, all right. Can, yeah, so what's that's your number three? my number three is Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. Nice, Mac. Let's talk about it. All right, Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers, and I'll tell you why this is my number three. Mm. Because I love this movie. <laughs> no, yeah. I just I it, it out of the my top three, I feel like this. It still felt like Halloween to me, where we have Donald Pleasance. Although we're still, we, we've now departed from Lori's storyline. We still have her daughter. And I was like, okay, well, we know that Jamie Lee Curtis isn't coming back for these movies going forward. There's just no way. Oh, how ignorant we, we have were. Jamie, we, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we have this new character, Jamie Lloyd. And, and I think the fact that I, in the first like hour of this movie, they really develop all these new characters and the young people. And this is, this is one of the only movies, again, where they get the young people correct. You care about Rachel. You even care about her boyfriend that's like sleeping around on her. <laughs> you know, you care. Even you like that character too. You actually are on board with these like, even like the, the total like douchebag jokers in the grocery store or the, the um, convenience store, you know, like you want to see what happens to these people. You are as dumb as they are and as stupid as these kids are. It's very much in line with the first Halloween where you're still in, you don't want to see them die necessarily. Mm. So you're still invested in these characters. And again, it feels like Halloween. You feel like you're in Haddonfield. I feel like even though they didn't get the mask right for me, um, there's enough that where Michael is, is genuinely scary. And to see him, this is the thing that I think gets me more is that you see him stalking Jamie. And even in these little dream sequences that she has where she thinks he's there, but he's not there. That is terrifying to see this little girl being stalked. Mm-hmm. If we had seen more of that happen in the first Halloween, like Tommy and Lindsay were there a lot more being literally stalked, I think that that would have been genuinely horrifying. And I think it's a new angle that they bring to the series with this entry, and I think that's what really works for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike, Dan you go, had it the lowest. Go. Dan had the lowest. Yeah, Dan, yeah, we'll go like that. Dan, what do you got? 
Yeah, I still, I still really like Halloween Four a lot. Um, I, I I was similar to Mike in that I sort of I was debating what whether I should put that or Halloween first. Like they're they're pretty equal to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think what it is is that Halloween Four for me the ending uh, with you know Michael on top of the truck and the redneck militia and getting shot through <laughs> oh, the mine shaft yeah, and all that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, it. It doesn't ruin it by any means for me, but it it goes into once again that. Um, that's sort of silly territory. And like arguably Halle Green does too, because it also has an action oriented ending. But when I think about those climaxes, I'm, I think I, um, I can tolerate the one in Halle Green a little bit better than I can with Halloween four. Just, and it's weird. It's not like it totally feels different. It's just that our attention suddenly goes to a bunch of characters I don't care as much about. And, um, you know, there's nothing scary to me about like Michael Myers on top of a pickup truck, uh, like the Terminator yeah. or something. It wasn't, didn't we even make the Terminator comparison a while back? Oh, like yeah. This, yeah, definitely. This movie kind of made him into Jason a little bit. So I, I dock it just a few points, but, but I still, I still do enjoy it for all the reasons you guys said. It has a lot of atmosphere. It's genuinely scary. It was kind of a, um, well, no, I wouldn't even say return to form because the three movies before this are all, are all really good, I think. Um, but it, it like, it showed that we can kind of do a, um, sort of a redo of the of the first movie in a way that was interesting so yeah i, st- I still enjoy it but i knock it down just a little bit for that probably that last uh, 10 minute sequence 100 percent agree with you dan uh i think we both came to that revelation a few years ago when we all went to go see halloween four and one me, four and five right it was one four and five i think it was one four and five yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what a yeah. weird what a weird like sequence of movies i remember it was, like I was in, the, uh, it was it was in uh Rose, rosemont illinois i think yeah right? yeah we, I have to. I remember him. Um, I'll give you. All right, this being the fourth movie of the franchise, I'll give you four things I love and four things I hate. There we go. Number one, love that opening. Yeah, sure. Opening is great. Captures the zeitgeist of Halloween. Yeah, I agree. Two, my boy, Bo Star. Love <laughs> Bo, Bo Star. He will always be <laughs> Bo Star to me. I I, I wanted more of him. Um, he's, I didn't get to mention him in the, when we were talking about Halloween five, but when he and Loomis reunite in Halloween five, there's like a glimmer of what could have been. And mm. I fucking love it. Um, also kind of love that he gets a vice squad in Halloween five. It's just great. Even though they do nothing. Um, number three, Danielle Harris. Mm. She's incredible in this movie. Uh, one of the best child performances I think of the eighties, which is saying a lot. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I agree. really do. I agree with that. Yeah, um, for sure. And, uh, number four, I got to give it to. Uh, I was going to give it to Ellie Cornell, but I actually think she's stronger in Halloween Five somehow, which mm. is in- interesting to me. But there's just more gravitas there. I can't. I cannot go past this movie without talking about the hunk of the decade in Sasha Jensen. Oh, Days Confused and Buffy uh, the Vampire. Slayer. He's great though. He's and so he's, good in this, he and he's his death is still. It's funny. I was watching this with my girlfriend, and she had never seen him before. And she, when he dies, she was like, "No!" <laughs> and like she hadn't seen, like I guess because she loves Days and Confused also. But there's something about his death that he has such a great turn. His arc is awesome, and I, I don't know, I love it. Here the Wait, real, real, yeah, oh yeah, go real for quick it, yeah. though. But you know, just because you're telling his death, have you guys watched the walkthrough of the Halloween Four house they had at Universal yes. on YouTube? Yeah, it's so awesome. It's great because they touch every moment. They even have that moment of him. I mean, some guy dresses him coming down the stairs with the yeah. shotgun. Like, they actually do that, and I love it. But anyway. Uh, would have been great if they great. got him, because I don't think Sasha Jensen's really doing anything right oh, now. Oh, no. Um, no, that's awful. I'm just being mean. Uh, here are the four things I don't like about this movie. One, Terminator, uh, Michael Myers, as you mentioned, Dan, can't stand it. That, uh, but whatever. Two, those rednecks, they go a little too far. 
It would have been great if they just showed him. I like when they introduce him, but then they get a little too crazy, and then you have this. I mean, they like, kill a guy. They kill like an innocent. They, yeah, they literally yeah. kill a guy with no f- consequences whatsoever, and then they like, they also change the Halloween theme to have this sort of like like deliverance style, like bunk, 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 bunk. it's just awful. Like I hate that part. Three, um, uh, ironically, I love them, but j- good God, it's just too Friday the Thirteenth for me. Bucky the power plant uh, guy. <laughs> Bucky, yeah, Bucky, Bucky the power plant. I, I so just, wasn't that a reshoot? I think I think it was a people? Re- reshoot, but it's just it's so over the top and it's so ridiculous. The whole power outage thing, like the fact that Myers is like, all right, I, I was able to stock um, prior in Halloween. With with all the electricity on, Richard I, I Pryor. Need to take uh, Richard Pryor. <laughs> yeah. Um, what if Richard Pryor had been in Halloween for? Oh, if he was God. the person that. You, hey, the world? guy was in fucking Superman three. Who knows? Oh, that would have been great. Anyway. Um, yeah. So taking the power out is a little too far fetched for me. It's just a little too calculated. It's like he's the T one thousand at that point. And then four is that mask. Yeah. Just if you would have just that kept the bandages on, yeah. I still think that this franchise, this 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 sequel would have been so interesting to me. But of course, they weren't going to do that. Anyway, yeah, that's the thing. It's one of those. As diehard fans, the dream scenario is never what the producers want. The yeah. producers want familiarity. It, it, they went as far as to just have the, the mask from the, the original one as on the poster. Yeah. They don't even have the, the, no. the new mask. No. Um, I think, and just to wrap this up real quick, I think for me, the fact that the reason I love this one so much is that when I watched these as a kid and I watched one, two, and then we went to Season of the Witch... It was just like a breath of fresh air to have Michael back. And mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't appreciate Season of the Witch for yeah. what, what it would become in, in my eyes now. Mm-hmm. But I just, it was so, I was so happy to have him back. And the Terminator stuff didn't really bother me because we see that a little bit in a movie we're going to talk about in the future. Yeah. Yeah. My feelings are, I, I, it's hard when you're the fourth person to talk about. But I'm trying to think of what hasn't been touched upon yet. I actually really do love the last act of this movie. I'm not talking about the, the truck chase. I'm talking about how they kind of make it a, a haunted house movie mm-hmm. and how everybody's trapped indoors. But the difference between this and something like the original Halloween is that everybody's aware of what's happening at this point. The, the townspeople are aware. The sheriffs are aware. Loomis is aware. The people who are soon to be victims are aware that Michael Myers is back. Here's my question to you on this. Yeah. And th- this is something I thought about when we were rewatching it. Don't you think they fumbled the, the finale? I feel like they should have stayed more in the house. Oh, no, I agree. I think that you they know? should have just, it, it should have climaxed in the house or yeah. around the house. Yeah. Well, Maybe it, the it house, did Because the original plot, I think that, the, yeah, the house is supposed to catch on fire, the, I think. The house is on fire. I think yeah. that was the, I don't know if they ever did the, the other stuff. But the budget, I, they, I think, they, they, they had to not have the house catch on fire. Um, but I really do love the, you, you talked about atmosphere, Dan. Um, and I do believe the last act, there's a lot of just fire lit, firelight. There's a really, I love the bluish hue mm-hmm. to the whole movie. Yeah, I love the kind yeah. of fog on the streets. And um, like those desolate scenes when she's wandering around alone are great. Oh, you feel mm-hmm. the, the space in those scenes. Absolutely. I, I think the one two punch of um, Ellie Cornell and Daniel Harris is just excellent. You, like you said earlier, Mac. You really are rooting for them. And when you think about the victims of this movie, especially in the last act, compared to like the couple in the in the barn in Halloween five. Yeah. And Tina for that matter. <laughs> like I just who cares about these people? That cops point? play by the book. The cops hey, I, cops play by the book. I have a question really quick question for you guys. Yeah. Who who are the who's the better pair of celebrity brothers? Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges or Bo Star and Mike Starr? You know, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for like who's been in Goodfellas, I would say the the Star Brothers. 
And then if you if you want a good pair of twin comedians, I'd say the Scalar Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, but to wrap this up, and I also think, um, you know, it's like what Mack had said. We're watching these sequentially to a certain point. Is It was good to see old Michael back after 10 years. Well, since the first movie had come out. And something else I have to add from my personal viewing experience. I saw Halloween 5 before I saw Halloween 4. And so this movie is infinitely better than Halloween mm-hmm. 5. I think that also didn't hurt its standing in yeah. terms of how I have always felt about it. Um, yeah, Michael... It's funny because George P. Wilbur also plays Michael Myers in Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah. And, much better. In but Curse. his outfit is much better because in this one, they give him like, uh, no joke, they give him like a shoulder pads. Like shoulder pads and like basically a hockey gear underneath the mechanic outfit. And so even though I, I will say, it wasn't like they were trying to pretend like it's supposed to be the same mask from the first Halloween because obviously in Halloween 2, it burned away and we see him grabbing a new mask. Yeah. The mask just doesn't look good. No. It's not scary. I wish it had just been. I don't know. Like you said, Mike, the ideal thing would have just been to have had him walking around with those yeah. bandages on and that weird mechanic outfit, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, it's you a Halloween movie. Mask. You gotta have him in there. So. What's, what's funny, though, is if you look at the original Captain Kirk mask, it really actually does look a lot like the Halloween 4 mask, which is interesting before they, yeah. you know, amend it and all, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so for all those reasons and more, I still have a, a, a nice place in my heart for the film Halloween 4. The Return of Michael Myers. So, Mike, what is your number three? Uh, Halloween 2, 1981. What if you just done like a twitch? Like, nope, 2009. <laughs> 2009 even though I already listed it. No. Uh, Dan. Okay, so let's... Um, wow, we're, we're getting down to it. We still have three movies to discuss. Only two places left. Dan, what is number two on your list? Mine is also Halloween 2, 1981. Mine is Halloween 2, 1981. Mr. Sandman, <laughs> it's Halloween 2, 1981, let's, my number two. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, the reason it's my number two, the first and the second movie for me, it's always going to be the best one-two punch. It is. It picks up the same night. It, it it feels like it's the same. We're continuing the movie. It really feels exactly the same, and I credit a lot of that to Dean Condi's mm-hmm. lighting mm-hmm. in both films, and it's just, to me, is very seamless. I love the update to the soundtrack with the synth score is iconic. Everything is trying to do that these days. It still holds up for me. I don't mind so much all of the um, heightened deaths um, where it kind of becomes a little bit more uh, violent, uh, you know, with the syringe and all that stuff. Slasher. Yeah, slasher-esque. I didn't mind that. Um I think even even when I was a kid, I, I didn't love the fact that he walked through doors and he becomes very much the Terminator in this movie. But for me, it works because they double down on the idea that he's he's not human. He's he's soulless. He's something else. And it is it's pretty terrifying. I, I mean, the Terminator scares the hell out of me because he, there's just no end. He will always come to get you. And I think that there's something very frightening about that. And that's why it still worked for me. Uh, it's my number two. It always be Halloween two to me. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, just a great flick. I, you, you mentioned the Terminator. The Terminator wouldn't be made for three more years. So this is actually before the Terminator. Yeah. And if you think of the Terminator, and I think even Cameron said that he was influenced by Michael Myers. Yeah, he has. He but has I feel like he's that. more influenced by Michael Myers in this movie than he is in the first one. Totally. Um, we, we talked about Dean Cundy, and I 100% agree, especially the older I get and I see all these movies. And there's uh, the use, what always sticks out to me is the use of the security cameras mm-hmm. and that weird black and white. You just see him kind of sneaking in and out. I think the score is just tremendous here. Mm-hmm. 
And we've talked about before, I, I will always think that Halloween is the better movie, uh, the scarier movie. It's just a landmark classic. But when I, in my mind, when I think of a, a scary Michael Myers, I think of Dick Warlock's Dick Michael Myers. Yeah. He became the shape. Like, like the first one is Michael Myers, and this one is he is actually the shape. The shape. Yeah, I like that. It's interesting the contradictions here. You have this all-consuming shape for Halloween two, and yet you specify exactly who he is. He almost is becomes more like Michael Myers in this one because in the first one he has no reasoning. He's just doing it. But now you actually give him some sort of motive and conceit. And for me, that will always make this a thorn in my side. Even though I a love thorn every, on your side, a thorn in my side. Yeah, Dan, what what do you think about Halloween two? But you yeah, also had number two. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And, and I'm with Mac. Like, I mean, I could almost interchange the, the first two, uh, the first two slots, uh, for these movies, but I almost, I, I almost feel like I don't need to because I just look at them as one film almost, you know mm-hmm. I mean? I, honestly, half the time I watch Halloween one, I just watch Halloween two right afterward. Um, and you know what the, I think the brother sister angle maybe only bothers me slightly because of what came after and how convoluted everything got. It doesn't bother me as like, if, if, if one and two are a self-contained movie, the brother sister thing is, is fine by me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. D- like Dean Cundy, Dick Warlock, even little details like that kid who gets the razor blade in his mouth oh, in the beginning. Yeah. I, I, mm. I actually feel like it sort of embodies the scariness of the actual holiday even more oh, than totally. Halloween one does totally. because we get to see how, how the, the lens zooms out a little bit. We get to see Haddonfield on a larger scale and it, it almost feels more like Halloween, the holiday, even even all the stuff we see around the hospital, like the old paper decorations and all that and the stuff in the schoolhouse. So, yeah, I mean, my, it's number two for me, but only by a, by a hair. I mean, I kind of I kind of view them both as, as one thing. And even though Rick Rosenthal supposedly did most of it, yeah, it still feels like a carpenter uh, Cundy joint to me. Uh, we, we talked earlier about the risk of sidelining jamie in halloween five and killing off rachel early and when you think about it you don't have to think about it i mean jamie lee curtis is in a bed the entire movie mm-hmm. it's really the donald pleasant show and the people in the hospital i mean that's a big risk obviously but it works there absolutely big time um once again we talked about this in earlier episodes but going into seeing halloween for the first time i was already told that they were brother and sister and the first time i saw halloween was the tv edit which in the first Five minutes, you see it says sister scrawled on the door. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, that was just the way it was. It wasn't like there was going to be some big reveal. So that's why the brother sister thing never, never affected me in that way. It just kind of added like a lore. Like imagine if it added some strange comparison. I'm, I'm, I'm jumbling my words here. I thought it was more disturbing the fact that a brother would want to kill his sister like that. I think yeah. that's the way I kind of looked at it. But I see where you're coming from, Mike. Yeah, because um, it feels like the prequelitis thing or like the special edition of Star Wars like yeah. before that even happened because they had filmed all these scenes that really did reconfigure everything about the original. Yeah. Um, and I wonder yeah. for the younger generation, if you saw uh, episode four as a special edition as a kid, mm-hmm. would you be bothered by the changes or would that just be part of the movie for you? You know, I, I wonder how that, but yeah, I, I think that's, d- what the, that's what the thing about all these movies is all about perspective and where we were and how we saw these movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why we do this podcast. If we were just all going to agree, then what's the point of doing the podcast? Yeah. And I think the, that with, with what Mike was saying that if Lori wasn't in this, if Lori wasn't in this and it, it really was just, Michael was still stalking people and killing people. And then he ended up somehow at the hospital mm. on his way out of town Still creepy. or something and was attacking all of them. Because like Justin said, Lori's in the bed most of this movie. She's, she's, she's not mm. in this movie a whole lot yeah. except for the very end. 
And you, but again, you are on board with Jimmy and everyone on that in that hospital. You, you, you know, oh yeah, like that's all the redeeming people, path. And it's like movie. you have a new cast. Like I, I, I think that it still would have worked without the brother sister angle. But like Justin, I always knew just through him probably that it, they were brother and sister. So it never phased me um, watching that as that one two punch. It never bothered me. No. I, and I like how that. I like how that ends up bringing Loomis back to the hospital at the end. I like that little reunion of the two of them. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, I, in terms of which one I would just throw on at like a get together, it would probably be Halloween too. If anything, because Halloween depends so much on suspense. Yeah, and this is just a straight up horror movie. No, really I think is. this is. Yeah, I mean, the there's definitely some suspenseful moments, but yeah. this is a horror slasher movie. It gets right too. I would say this is definitely the most rewatchable. Yeah, like, the ensemble is just wonderful, and I, I just see it more as like kind of like a, a what if comic book thing for me at this point. And for reasons I'll get into when we talk about the original. Well, it's one of those things, though, is be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because Halloween in 2018 dismisses the brother sister. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to Mike. What is your number two on the list? Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. I, I absolutely adore this film. I think that, I, I think, again, similar to Halloween 6, there's an underdog quality to it because it's been maligned for so many years. Mm-hmm. I just love the originality of this movie. Like, there's stuff in this film that I've never seen ever. And, like, it, I, I think, honestly, it has the most shocking death out of anything that's in the Halloween series. And it's in that room when the when they With do the, the little kid. Yes. Like, oh, because yeah. here's the thing. Like, it's always, like, hands off. Like, you can't have the kids be killed or hurt. Like, you never really feel like Tommy and Lizzie are going to get hurt in the original no. one ever. Because that's just never going to happen. And that's one of the things I do love about Halloween, Halloween is that they killed a kid. Like that's, you know, I'm not looking here wanting to have kids get killed, but like having the stakes up like <laughs> yes, that is great. Yeah. Again, aesthetically, this movie is just so awesome. And I love, I love the masks. I love the score. It's my favorite John Carpenter score out of any scores that he's done. Wow. I love the atmosphere to it. Granted, the, the lead actress is just not good at all. Stacy Nelkin. Oh, not good. But come on, Tom Atkins. He's so much fun to watch. Like this is peak Atkins for me. And even over any other role that he's had. And I, I just, I love watching him in this. I love the mystery of it. It's a what if for me. It's like, I really wish that this movie would have been appreciated. Would have been the Halloween two. could have been the anthology series that we had got of. And maybe then in 98, we could have had the Halloween two being H2O or something like that. Or I, I, whatever, I, wish, you know? I wish they had just called it season of the witch. Honestly, it just it would have worked as an anthology series for me. I, I and I still argue for that. But yeah, Mac. Yeah, the reason I have this uh, at number four is uh, it is still technically a Halloween movie, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a great movie on its own. Uh, the it, the ending is a classic horror. Such film. A good it's ending. one of the best horror film endings in my opinion ever. <laughs> it, it still chills me. I think about it, uh, and yeah, and and Cundy came back for this, mm-hmm. so. It still has that feel yes. of the prior two films. Um, the soundtrack's great. Love Tom Atkins. I genuinely find some of the horror in this movie hard to watch. Like mm. especially when mm-hmm. you know when the kid gets killed, when the woman gets zapped in the face. It is. It's disturbing. Yes. I think it was a darker turn um, than I was expecting. And going back and watching it now, I, I've really come to appreciate it. And I, I love that interview that you did with with Tommy Wallace about the uh, the movie. It's it's such a great interview. Um, so if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I this is it, it's 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 number four on my list because I, I I do really love this movie. Um, it it's just 
the Michael Myers. <laughs> so it, <laughs> yeah. it, it fell yeah. further on the list. I, I, but I still really like this movie a lot. Yeah, for me, I remember, the, well, let's go back in time. I remember the first time I watched this was on WGN, and they still kept in much of that violence. But this has been such a maligned sequel, so I was just watching it for completionist's sake. But when that reporter gets zapped in the face, Oof, it's gosh. so shocking. Yeah. And then to see the lingering aftermath, it just it just goes on and on and on. And it's practical effects. Yeah. And and that kid. It's ugly. It, once again, he just lingers on that kid with the bugs and the snakes coming out of his head. I mean, we sound like we're delinquents over here, but I mean, it, it's it, it, congratulations. If, if a movie makes me believe it's real, then congratulations. It's a good movie. Well, um, it gets that Carpenter hopelessness. Whereas, you know, Halloween was a, kind of a, an homage in a lot of ways to Psycho, I guess. Yeah. This is absolutely an homage to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Totally. I think they even mention uh, Santa Clara in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they actually, or yeah. the, whatever the fake town is. And the ending the especially is a The ending is basically what the Invasion of the Body Snatchers ending was supposed to be back in 58, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for me, I think the reason it's a little lower for me on this list, not much lower, is number oh. four for me. I still think it's aged very well, especially <laughs> I think it's better than just about every other Michael Myers sequel except for part two and part four. Um, I still think it's still a movie of moments for me. I think I might have written about this for COS a couple of years ago, where I think there's like five great moments, but there is a lot of walking around that for me, I do love a slow burn, but I think you point out Stacey Nelkin. Yeah, Mike, she's not very, and it's not a lot. If, if, if Tom Atkins had, God, imagine if, if it was Jamie Lee Curtis in this. Imagine if it was Adrian Barbeau or Adrian Barbeau. Yes. That's a whole different dynamic. And you're more interested in spending time with Adrian Barbeau and Tom Atkins as opposed to no shots, but Stacey Nelkins is not no. very good in this. She's easily the weak link of this movie. Mm-hmm. The Dean Cundy cinematography, once again, is great. John Carpenter's best movies, period, are with Dean Cundy. Yeah. And the score is excellent. Oh, I think I wrote about the score or the soundtrack a couple mm-hmm. years ago. You did. You did. Uh, score is tremendous. And that ending, it still sticks with me. Mm-hmm. All these years later, how hopeless it is. And I, I, I love it for I love how bonkers it is too, because it's it's absolutely bonkers. I mean, it's it's this toy manufacturer who's using like runes Stonehenge. and Stonehenge to kill off all the kids for it's for no wacky. Reason. It's wacky. But do, I, I, I've spoken enough, Dan. What, what do you think about Halloween? Well, no, do you guys do you guys think that that six uh, with the the runes and the or the the stones or whatever? Do you think they drew inspiration at all from from totally. part three? Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like they're past yeah, same, uh, you know, I have, I have no qualms at all with this movie. It's kind of what Max said. I, I, I think as a little kid, it, it seems so jarring because it didn't have Michael Myers. And so it will always be its own thing. But man, I love it. It's, and it's this kind of weird hybrid of sci-fi and horror. Like I'm, I'm like, Oh, is this a sci-fi movie? Is it a horror movie? Mm. I love the brutality of it. I love the performances. I, I love the, uh, those, the, uh, Don post masks that are in it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, the only reason it's not a little bit higher on my list is just because it's it's not a Michael Myers movie, so it's always going to feel slightly separate. But um, yeah. also, too, when we talk about the anthology, I know there have been rumors of a Halloween anthology series, like a TV series, a few like earlier this year or earlier last year, I guess. Is that still happening or or, or not? Have you guys like heard anything more about that? No, there hasn't been anything else that's been updated on that. Like Ryan Turek kind of teased it, and 
it was something that like I think a lot of people were kicking around for a little bit. But Tony Wallace uh, said he would be de- totally down to jump on board if if that was the case. And I just think this movie is a total example of like how many ripe it's just ripe for for rediscovery. And you could still yeah. keep it in that Halloween vein, kind of like what Friday the Thirteenth series was doing, you know, back in like the nineties or eighties or whatever it was. But yeah, well, hell, you could even have it. You know, if you had a frame device where the the series is set in Haddonfield. Yeah. And we know Michael Myers is on the loose and it's like kids telling stories or something like that. And you could do, there's so many different ways you can oh, do totally, it. But uh, totally. Yeah. I think we're all, uh, we're all in agreement about Halloween three being, uh, I mean, it's such, it's such a strange, it's kind of like an anomaly of a movie. Um, it is. Yeah. There's, there's, nothing, like there's nothing like it. There's no other really series yeah. which sticks to one plot. And then there's one movie in the middle that doesn't, mm-hmm. there's no yeah. other series out there like that. So I agree. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't depend on hot takes to deliver good content. And no better example is of our number ones. Should we all just say it together on four? Yeah. Yeah, One, two, three, four. Halloween. Halloween. 1978. Mike, technically you would have been the the last person to say that. So if you want to lead this discussion off. (laughs) I'd cut out this podcast by setting myself up for failure because I said that this movie doesn't scare me. And it doesn't scare me. And a lot of it's contextual. And we've talked a lot about in this episode alone just where we were when we saw it and, you know, how old we were and et cetera. I was pretty young. I was about, you know, just a little bit older than Tommy Doyle is in this movie. But for some reason, I I just, I see this more as just a great film than an actual horror movie. Like, I I think this is very similar to like, you know, Carpenter's influence by Hitchcock. I think this is a very Hitchcockian style thriller. Like, I I don't really see a lot of the horror elements of it other than the fact that like he has a mask. Like, I think this is a really great murder mystery. And, you know, the fact that he gets away at the end is really the only part where it seems like horror to me. And that's where it transcends. And I think that the ending is the scariest part of this film. So for me, I, Halloween is just a great film, which is why, you know, I think Friday the 13th, the original one, is scarier than this. I think that A Nightmare on Elm Street in certain respects is scarier than this. I think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is for certain scarier than this. But again, none of them are as good as this movie. That's and good. this movie is just... Like I, I, I'm, I like in hindsight, I think this movie could have even been up for like Oscars. Like I think that the the filmmaking alone in this is unreal, and I don't think people understood how important it was for not only just the horror genre but genre filmmaking. This is always going to be one of my favorite movies, just for for its filmmaking prowess alone. And I, and I think that there, this hits every mark for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, I watch it every year, whether mm-hmm. we go to the movies and see it all together or just. I'm going to watch Halloween tonight because it's Halloween. Yeah. And you, you look at it in context. It's so strange to think that Assault and Precinct 13 came out before this. Yeah. Because it feels like it's that's such an ensemble genre, mm-hmm. great quips. And he definitely went back to that more than he ever went back to Halloween if you look at future movies. Yeah. And so for him to kind of go really, really, really minimal and small and like a really small cast of basically the trio of teens and Donald Pleasant's driving around in the car with Charles Cyphers for an hour and a half um, was, was, was a real risky move on this part. I thought we, we've spoken, Mike, you said it all just from a technical standpoint, it's, an, it's still incredible to watch this day. Uh, Dean Cundy, once again, the lighting of this thing is unbelievable. Um, Nick Castle, who was not an actor, but was just a friend of John Carpenter's from film school. Just standing still wearing that mask is scarier than 99% of any other horror movie you'll see in the last 40 years. And that's not hyperbole, by the way. That's just a fucking fact. (laughs) If I go rub zombie on you for a second. Introduce Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the ultimate final girl forever. Nobody will ever beat her. The Scream Queen. She is the Scream Queen forever and ever. 
Um, I, I, I do think it's, I, you know, we talked about this again. I, I think, it, I do think it's scary. I think it, it scares me. I, just the image, just this image in the background of scenes scares me. The music is incredible. Mm-hmm. Once again, I think Carpenter came up with it like at last second. Three days. There were yeah. screenings of it without music, but he's like, I got to add music to this. And he did the theme in an hour. It's just, <laughs> he's yeah. a true auteur, if there ever was one. I, it's a great movie. It's it's the best of the Halloween films, and, and it always will be the best of the Halloween films. Mac. Yeah, I I, I agree with y'all on all those points. Uh, I do find it scary. But I know. I do, I'm see, alone what you, I do yeah. see what you're saying, though. You yeah. know, it's it's how I view uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do find that scary too. I, I, <laughs> but that is that is in my top five like favorite movies of all time. Like that is a great film. Period. Yeah. Um, now, but getting back to this, something I find really interesting about this movie and a lot of the original first films of these franchises is the the um the death count mm. there's like four people that die in this movie mm-hmm. and we only see and three right no, no we see four there's, there's, ju- there's judas no, you got bob five, you got linda you got the mechanic but you don't see them we mechanic. only see four right right uh but what you know we were talking about nightmare the other day there's only like four deaths in that yeah. movie if you count the, the mother uh like texas chainsaw there's only so many characters in that movie and the thing that the, the reason that why that works, I think, is because you're able to spend time with these characters mm-hmm. and, and you care about them when they die. And I think that that's the problem with all these sequels and why these sequels don't work as well as this movie is that you have too many characters, you have too many things going on, and you don't care about anybody. As, as it continues on, you just have bigger and bigger casts. We have you know to get I mean? to the deaths right Because away. you want to see the deaths. Uh, how many weird, cool ways can we kill people in these movies? And that's never what it's about. It's, no. It was never about that at the beginning, and it shouldn't be. Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, I always return to it. I was like Dan was saying that it is a little interchangeable with me. I love Halloween two and one. It's like, it's a great, I could watch the second one and then follow it with this one, you know, yeah. as a prequel. Um, I, I, the way that it, it shot that sequence where you, you hear the, the thing from another world in the background mm-hmm. and, and he's looking out the window and you see him carrying Annie oh, back yeah, into the house. Excellent. So, there's just haunting images and things that last in this movie that I, I don't get from any other, uh, films in the series. Cundy's great Carpenter's great everyone's at their peak and like you were saying with this is a real um, gem when you look at it in the sense of a lot of these shots came out of zero money Mm -hmm. they didn't have anything so they had to sit there on one shot one take with Lori and Annie in the car talking forever and and, and it's funny because on the car on the commentary he, he, he they talk about these things and carpenter's like well we we i didn't purposely do that we just couldn't we didn't have the money to do anything else we no. had to sit there that one long shot and we're like oh it's so great but a lot of it was just we're mis- we're, we're just kind of like we had to do it yeah but again i think that that really works and that's why i think low budget horror movies always kind of scare me a little bit more because um you have to get creative you, you have to get creative you have to think outside of the box and that that is something they need to to do more with veteran horror directors is take is give them less money and see what they can do with it and i i just i wish people were challenged more yeah and um john carpenter rose to the occasion and that's why this is the I, I think i think blumhouse is kind of doing that too they're they're not giving out these huge budgets to these filmmakers and i think it's really starting to pay off more and more dan i want to ask you a question somebody we haven't really spoken about is uh is deborah hill and yeah her yeah. her contribution to especially the dialogue between uh, Linda, Annie, and, and Lori cannot be understated. So what, what do you think about, obviously, the importance of that relationship between the three girls in the movie? Well, yeah, I think it's so hard to do teen dialogue well in horror movies. Um, 
I'm trying to think of another example that does it quite as well as Halloween. Um, but yeah, in terms of, because from what I know, John Carpenter handled all the Loomis sort of, uh, hyperbolic histrionic evil talk, which is great in the film, but I don't think any of that means shit unless you have that human core. Mm-hmm. And to me, that all comes from Deborah Hill. I mean, you, you like, no one really talks like Loomis does in real life. You know what I mean? It's great. Like John Pleasant sells the hell out of it, but like, I've never heard anyone talk about evil <laughs> in this yeah. kind of Shakespearean monologue like he does, but I've heard plenty of people talk like Linda, Annie and Laurie do just walking from home from school, talking about textbooks and boys and pranks and the other shit that high schoolers talk about. And I, yeah, it's funny. Deborah Hill never gets enough credit. Cause I don't think she, I mean, she's more of a producer. She's more of a writer. She didn't have that kind of auteur status that John Carpenter did, but I think everyone, I mean, even if you hear Jamie Lee Curtis talk about it, I think she was kind of the, the in a way, the true spirit of that original Halloween movie. Um, she was the gateway. She's what made it feel human. And so, yeah. And Hey, she's from, she's from the real Haddonfield, Haddonfield, New Jersey, which, uh, I will, I will always love her for that. And, uh, as much as I love that town. Um, yeah. And I don't know, man, this is my favorite film of all time. I think that I love it for its simplicity. I, I feel like not enough movies do that. Um, not enough movies go for that minimalism you guys had talked about. And I mean, I don't know when you think about a horror film that is that simple, and effective. What else comes to mind? I mean, I, I think this might be like the most no frills horror film in history and it, it'll always be my favorite movie for that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I the only one I could think of is Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it yeah. just seems yeah. so cutthroat and low budget. Yeah. And- I feel like Texas Chainsaw still has this like bit of grand guignol kind of over the topness about not, not in like the tactics it's using, but in the characters, you know what I mean? Like Leatherface and, and the hitchhiker and all them. They're, they're sort of, grotesque almost in a way in a way that michael myers isn't just this the the blankness on him and i mean i don't know man i've I've spent so much time thinking and talking about this movie as have you guys and yeah i think it's just it it got to us at the right age and i think it's just that simplicity and the the relatability of it the fact that this could happen in uh in any town usa i'm i'm with you dan like i actually have I, i find it really hard to talk about this movie and i i don't think i'll ever really fully understand why i love this movie so much i think a lot of it ties to nostalgia in the sense that i love the halloween holiday a lot i think it it ties back to maybe psychologically in the sense that there are moments of halloween that i just attached to my original neighborhood and there's maybe that's one of the reasons why i love it i think there's a lot of weird weird psychological stuff involving like the fact that i've i saw H2O and Jamie Lee Curtis was an alcoholic in that movie and my mother was a major alcoholic at the time and I think maybe that was one of the reasons why the, the Halloween became an escape for me I, I don't I don't know but the thing is is I know that I I will always be obsessed with this franchise despite how awful and ridiculous and insane and stupid it has gotten over the years just because of how much I love this movie and I think that's why I'm you know resigned myself to just loving this one so much and just treating it as a single entity because I, I just think that nothing will ever really come close to this. I mean, I talked about how much I love Halloween 3 and all, but I mean, God, it's like such a leap compared to this movie. Like, this movie is just perfect. And it's just that, again, it's that ending. That ending is so perfect. Like, the, the idea that he's still out there. There's a timeless nature to that. Evil will prevail. That's yeah. kind of the ongoing theme of the Halloween series. And sometimes it's, you wish it would just stop prevailing yeah. and end. But guess what? As much as we talked about Halloween 2018 negatively, save for, for Dan, who granted did see it six times. <laughs> um, I will still be there opening night yep. to see whatever fucking fourth part two of the yeah. Halloween series, or if you want what to call it Halloween call three. It? That's yeah, what I keep wondering. Call, yeah. It'll be like Halloween yeah. midnight or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, Halloween into darkness. Um, <laughs> no, one I, no one I could actually see them calling it, no joke. 
is just Michael Myers. I feel like that's kind of Ooh, a thing. Uh, like, there's, Mike, which Mike I know Myers. be stupid, but like Jigsaw, you know, there's Jigsaw. Yeah. Jigsaw. They did the thing too with like, <laughs> I feel like the, the popular thing with a lot of these reboots is like, there was Rambo and then there was John Rambo, right? It was the mm-hmm. one a few years ago. And then there's like Rocky, but there's Rocky Balboa. And then there's well, I hope there's a like black a, and white photo of Michael Myers, like on the cover. And it looks like, you know, an old 70s style poster, just like they did with Rocky Balboa. Well, maybe they, <laughs> maybe instead of Michael Myers, they just call it like, like Halloween Johnson. Like that's Halloween's last name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> John Halloween. First blood part two. Well, God, we, uh, we have really talked about the Halloween franchise. I don't think there's anything left to say. What do you think? Yeah, I don't really have very much left to say. You guys kind of nailed everything on the head. No. Um, the only thing I could feel, I could picture myself just like breathing heavily, like Michael Myers. If, <laughs> for the outro that, for this, oh, I agree 100. percent Freaky. Well, um, here's a little behind the scenes magic for everybody. Uh, Dan was not on this episode, but Mac, uh, myself, and Mike have already recorded the first episode of. A Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. which we'll be covering. Once again, we'll be uh, dropping that mere days after you hear this episode. This yeah. is a nice little fun last second bonus episode for everybody to kind of bridge the gap between the Halloween franchise and the Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So we have a lot to say about that film. And don't worry, we go on for quite a while. Yes, so if you like the long episodes, you're going to get it. Yeah, And we'll be doing, um, I guess we'll be doing those. Once a month, just Once like we month. did Halloween, to last the entire year. You'll hear a lot more information about the Elm Street coverage in our next episode. Trust me, we already recorded it. I know this is a fact. Yes. Um, so I want to thank, uh, you know, Mac. I want to thank myself. <laughs> I want to thank Dan and Rothman, who came up with this idea leading up to Halloween last year. We would not have done it were it not for Mike. And, of course, were it not for the promise of a David Gordon Green, Green. <laughs> Halloween film. Any final words? And I do mean any final sentences. <laughs> Mac. Uh, it's been a blast. I'm looking forward to, to working on Nightmare because I love that series. So, Mike. Uh, I'm very excited to see where this podcast alone is going to go. Um, what started out as just uh, a Halloween podcast has now become what we're calling a horror franchise podcast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this year we're dreaming it up over in Springwood, Ohio, and who knows what goes on beyond that. So, very excited with the opportunities. Very excited that it's happening right now in a time where horror is just insane. Agreed. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that everyone's, uh, you know, on board and hopefully they'll be interested in uh, talking about Freddy. Dan. Yeah, just to, hey, thanks to all the fans out there. I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, th- no, I, I do want to thank everyone for listening. It's, I, I, I love, I would talk about these movies with you all anyway. I mean, hell, we've been talking about them together for years. So it's been really cool to, to turn into something that we can uh, put out and give to people. And Hey man, I got to see Hal Green like over a month early, which was uh, the highlight. Well, I should say the highlight of my year. That's a pretty sad year, I guess, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the highlights of last year. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to going to Springwood. Yeah. It's important to obviously thank all the listeners or else we would just be, it would be like that, the kid in Weather American summer, who's just sitting in the <laughs> empty radio booth with the, the unplugged soundboard, you know, uh, but it's, it's great to go back and forth with everybody. And even though we haven't done an episode in a while, we still get great messages from people on Facebook, Twitter, well, I guess not Twitter. We're not on there yet, but you know, we did launch an Instagram page, mm-hmm. which you should definitely check out. And yeah, the fan feedback has been terrific. We've had a lot of people come over from, the Losers Club podcast, but a lot of people just joined us yeah. straight away for this podcast. So we're pretty confident that we're going to retain a lot of people and bring in even more people for 
the Elm Street series, which you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think from the conversations that we've all had over the last decade plus, uh, we do believe it's a stronger overall series. So there totally. won't be so much griping as I think there no, was no. for the latter Halloween yeah. films. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything left to say except lock your doors, bolt your windows, and, and turn, turn off the lights. I think it's time to go to sleep. Good night. Good night, Freddy. Consequence Podcast Network.